Hey everyone. So just got a quick update here before we start the show. Uh, during the recording of the show, uh, Troy and I experienced technical difficulties that caused us to, di to uh, disconnect. Um, as a result of these uh, technical difficulties, I lost about 10 minutes of audio on Troy's part. So there's going to be a, a, a section in there where I'm going to be monologuing to myself and uh, it's going to be me talking about impressions. It's mostly me talking anyways. Uh, so unfortunately, Troy's feedback isn't going to be heard, um, as well as uh, some of Troy's thoughts on the first news story. It gets uh, lost in there as well. So um, I'm going to try to see if I can get the, the show or those 10 minutes uh, recovered. So if you're listening to this, then you're listening to the first upload of the show. And if uh, you're still listening to this a week later and it's, you're still hearing this little intro, uh, it's because I never recorded, I never recovered the audio. But the plan is for me to recover the audio and then re-upload the podcast like the next day. And uh, hopefully the show isn't too awkward in that in that little 10 minute in between. It's around like 35 minute mark, 45 minute mark. Uh, but then Troy gets back. Um, I get his, I get the rest of his track, and uh, yeah, he'll be on the show for the remainder. It's just that little, small little hiccup. So hopefully it's not too awkward. Either way, uh, hope you guys enjoy the show. It was, I felt like it was a good, engaging show about a lot of topics. So um, on with the show. What's up, movie lovers? Welcome to episode number 17 of Ready Play Movies, your weekly source for everything that's new and exciting in the world of entertainment. Every Tuesday at 6 a.m. Pacific or 9 a.m. Eastern Time, we discuss the top news of the week, notable releases, what we're watching, big topics of the industry, and the movies we love. If you want to write anything to be read on the show, send us an email to readyplaymovies at gmail.com or hit us up at readyplaymovies on Twitter. No matter where you found us, please subscribe to the feed so you can get every new show directly to your device as soon as it posts. And if you like it, please leave us a nice review. This is May 4th, 2021, and I'm your host, Louis Menchaca, and I'm joined today by my co-host, Mr. Troy Bracey. Yes, yes. No, new week, new movies to talk. Let's get to it. Man, we're already in May, man. Shit, this, 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 uh, this year's going by way too fast. Way fast, man. It's crazy. Yeah, so, Troy, we don't have a whole lot of time. There's too much show. We No exchanging of pleasantries. Let's just get into it. <laughs> Marty! You've got to come back with me! Where? Back to the future! Yes, back to the future. It's, uh, it's a new month, which means we're in, we're, it's the first show of the new month, which means we have to do Back to the Future, where we, where we uh, talk about all the anniversaries, all the milestones. Um, and you know what's kind of interesting is like, you know, this is, the, this is the good, this is the goods, okay? May is officially like the start of like the summer movie season, and so we actually get some pretty good, like memorable movies uh, now here in these anniversaries. Uh, but it really was like, I would say like in the 90s is when summer movie season really began in earnest. So when you get to the older like 80s and stuff, then it won't be that case as much, but here we go. Uh, Kicking off things uh, in uh, in May of 2016, that was five years ago. This list of movies are hitting their five-year anniversaries. Captain America: Civil War, 
Monster, uh, Monster, uh, Money Monster. Never heard of that movie, by the way. It's starring, apparently it's starring George Clooney and Julia Roberts. Um, the Darkness, which is a horror movie starring Kevin Bacon. Then there was the Angry Birds movie. Then there was Neighbors 2 with Seth Rogen and uh, Zac Efron. And then there was The Nice Guys with Russell Crowe and Ryan Gosling. And, and then there was the train wreck that was X-Men Apocalypse. And lastly, uh, Alice Through the Looking Glass. Uh, so what are your thoughts on, on, this, uh, on this group of movies? Well, uh, one of the things that's going to trip you out is uh, I actually liked X-Men Apocalypse. What? You know? Oh, yeah, my God. I, I actually think that movie is very underrated. Uh, it, it, like... I listen. I don't think it's a great movie. I don't put it up there with the best X Men films or nothing like that. But I don't think I'll put that with like X Men Last Stand and like the the atrocious like the Wolver Origin Wolverine Origin and all that shit. Like I think it was all right. You know, I just think they kind of botched Apocalypse to a certain degree because they made them look all small and weak. But uh, yeah. But that's just that Captain America Civil War. Man, that was a big year. Like that is to me. It's like when Marvel went to another level, real talk. And I ain't gonna lie, The Nice Guys, whew, that movie didn't get the love that it should have got. You know what I mean? That movie was funny as hell, really good, very well acted. You know, everybody was good in that movie. Ryan Gosling is always great. Yeah, I'd never seen it, by the way. Uh, so I watched, I kind of, I never, it was always on my to-do list. Um, but what's kind of interesting about Captain America Civil War is like, I remember like, uh, I remember that day like very specifically because I was going out with a group of friends. We made a whole like day out of it, and we all like bought like Iron Man or or or, or Captain America shirts to say like which team we're on, and everybody yeah. bought Captain America shirts, and then one person bought an Iron Man shirt. <laughs> <laughs> everybody was Team Cap. I know, like, right? And uh, it's crazy how uh, like right around that time, I think when Winter Soldier dropped. Captain America got super popular because he wasn't, I remember when Avengers came out, he wasn't even in the top three popular characters. <laughs> like it was Hulk, it, it was Iron Man, Hulk, and Thor. Thor, you know, and then like he was down there somewhere. But by the time this came out, he was already at one of the most b beloved. Yeah, you know? like top tier, S tier premiere. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah we had a whole day of it. I remember like we went to the restaurant after the movie and then we were well, across the restaurant. There was like a park and we just kind of like strolled and walked down the park and stuff and just took in some sites we might have like fed some ducks or something like that i don't know but basically it was like a whole like day of it and uh, i remember like just it was such a great day and uh yeah man it's, it's crazy uh, i even like looked at the uh, like a picture we took of us just like on a, in a group photo and it was just crazy uh just thinking yeah. about like that time and how like how quickly five years has gone man, um 2016 that's crazy that that's five years i feel like that was a couple of years ago yeah, so there was that. I I saw the Angry Birds movie like I want to say, um, like like in a hotel or something like that. I even like finished watching the whole movie. Maybe I did, but I really don't remember it that well. Uh, the thing about X Men Apocalypse is like I uh, I was part of like this internet community uh, called Kind of Funny, and during that weekend it was Memorial Day weekend, and during that weekend it was a, a thing called Kind of Funny Live, and I went to uh, go uh, I went to San Francisco, traveled for Kind of Funny Live. Uh, to watch this, you know, in-person event show kind of thing. But while I was there, I went with other fellow kind of funny fans to a movie theater 
and it was like the entire movie theater was just filled with kind of funny fans and we were all like just like watching it as a big group thing or whatever and uh what was really interesting is like the there's like this inside joke inside the kind of funny community where like the the 20th uh, century fox logo where like it goes yeah and so basically everybody was in the whole crowd was chanting the the little the opening cinematic 20th century fox music with their mm-hmm. like, da, 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 da. <laughs> like I was like I was like oh my god this is crazy um, inside jokes and stuff like that so yeah it was I think the experience of watching X Men in theaters with the kind of funny community was better than the actual movie in my opinion so yeah mm-hmm. to each their own uh, but yeah you're right it's not it's definitely not uh, with those bottom tier like X Men Origins Wolverine or uh, no. uh, the Last Stand you're, I'll give you and that it's, and it's the same director that made all the best X Men movies like uh, it's yeah. Brian Singer you know he did the first second uh, uh, he did fu- uh, what's the Days of Future Past which is I think the best one yes so you know he's done it's just that one he just wasn't as good as the other one I'll definitely put it above Dark Phoenix I'll, I'll say that oh hell yeah <laughs> alright let's go ahead and move on uh, to our 10 year anniversary 10 years we got May of 2011 uh, Thor uh, is like the kickoff and then there's a movie uh, like a, ro- a romantic comedy movie called Something Borrowed starring Jennifer Goodwin and Kate Hudson and then there was another movie called Jumping the Broom starring Paula Patton and Angela Bassett and then the like you know this is like one of those kind of like amalgamations where like uh, a movie is uh you know it appeals to both genders equally i would say it's just as much a guy movie than it is a girl movie bridesmaids uh opened Mm. and then there was a um you know before he was vision paul bettany did a movie called priest um then there was a uh like an indie-ish movie starring will ferrell called everything uh, everything must go and then Pirates of the Caribbean 4 on Stranger Tides came out. And then Kung Fu Panda 2, The Hangover Part 2, and a boring-ass movie starring Brad Pitt, Brad Pitt called The Tree of Life. <laughs> and I only watched it because it was Brad Pitt. But, you know. Yeah. Uh, so what did you think of these uh, of the 10-year anniversaries? Man, this just tripped me out. How This shows how far Marvel has came. Because no joke, I remember when Thor came out, I didn't know who he was. Like I, I, in terms of being a Marvel character, like I, I know like the mythology of Thor, but I didn't know who he was as far as it. Like I remember Tipsy and Tony being excited about it, like Thor's coming out. I'm like, who is Thor? Like, you know what I'm saying? To right now where he's a household name and like all these different characters, it just shows you how far Marvel has came and they've built such a huge empire. It's just crazy. But uh, Bridesmaids, it tripped me out how popular that movie is. Like, when you think about it, like, I remember seeing the trailers for Bridesmaids, and I thought it was going to be a throwaway. But it's actually became a cult classic for a lot of people, you know, or should I just say a classic for yeah. a lot of people. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, that that's crazy. Hangover 2, I remember being so disappointed <laughs> because Hangover 1 was so good, like, really good. Huh? They just did it again. They just made the same movie twice. <laughs> yeah, and it's just like, yeah, you could tell it was just for money straight up. Like, it was straight up for money. You know, no focus, nothing. Kung Fu Panda was eh to me. Um, I liked all yeah. of them, actually. I think they're all good. Like, think One of the things I don't like, I think, about Kung Fu Panda is, like, people sleep on it. Like, okay, all three movies individually, if you take them in, like, they are really good movies. The problem with Kung Fu Panda is that no one talks about it, and it becomes forgettable. 
Well, it's forgettable for a reason, Louis. <laughs> like, like they're not just forgetting about it for nothing. Like, you know what I'm saying? I, do people forget about the Incredibles? Like, no, that's do, you true. know what you're I'm right. saying? You're like, right. but I, right. I think, I think the thing is, I for me, honestly, when I think about the trilogy, I think they slowly get a little bit worse. Not saying they get bad and bad, but the first one was good. Mm-hmm. The second one was a little worse than the thir- first one, and then the third one was a little worse than the second one. And but, I think, but they were all above par, though. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. But the thing about the thing about Kung Fu Panda is like I think that when I rewatched the movies recently, like I was like, holy shit, these movies are actually good. And then I, th- th- it's kind of crazy that these movies like they fade from my memory, but I remember liking them, you know. And even when I revisited them, I still liked them. So I just I don't know. I think they're uh, all right. They just yeah, not a classic. But you know, that's uh, to each their own. Uh, I think I was like, I think I was still working at the movie theater at the time, so. Uh, I think I watched all these movies. I remember watching Pirates, and uh, I, I remember that movie was like this really weird as, as scene where like a guy gets pulled down into the water by a mermaid that he thought he was falling in love with, and then they never uh, they cut away from her, from that scene, and they never showed the guy coming back up. So I think Those his character movies, drowned. Yeah, I stopped watching them after a f- I forgot which one. They just got atrocious. <laughs> Like yeah, they think, just cut that out, forgot that that happened. Like, you yeah, know what I mean? like, exactly. I think they should stay. I think they should have stopped at the third one to tell you the truth. But you know, yeah. All right, let's go ahead and move on to the 15 year mark. Now, earlier you talked about X Men: The Last Stand, <laughs> and there it is. X-Men Don't the tell Last me Stand. it's on her. Shit, it sure is. Goddamn. Man. X-Men The Last Stand came out on Memorial Day weekend of, uh, of May of 2006. Uh, kicking off the summer movie season was Mission Impossible 3, uh, which had uh, the late uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman as the villain. And then there was an, Amer- uh, a comedy or an, uh, an animated comedy called Hoot. And then there was An American Haunting. And then Russell, uh, Kurt Russell did a movie called Poseidon. And then there was a Lindsay Lohan. And by the way... Chris Pine was the romantic opposite romantic lead of Lindsay Lohan in a movie mm. called Just My Luck. So mm. that's that's interesting. Um, and then there was a movie called Goal, The Dream Begins, which is like a soccer movie. And there was another animated movie called Over the Hedge. I think that one starred like Bruce Willis, among other people. And uh, Tom Hanks uh, did a, uh, a movie called The Da Vinci Code. And that was a big, a very big uh, deal. I remember that. Uh, see no evil. I believe that was a horror movie. And lastly, we finish out with a uh, a documentary uh, starring uh, former Vice President Al Gore called "An Inconvenient Truth" about global warming and stuff like that. And uh, a lot of things I got wrong about it because I remember thinking about, about that. He remember him saying about by this time right now in 2020 that or you know post 2020 that you know shit would be all like all over the place. We're talking about like the day after tomorrow kind of shit, but that never really came to pass. But yeah. Anyways, uh, 15 years ago, that definitely takes me back to a different time. Uh, yeah, like, thoughts? it's crazy, because I don't really remember a, a lot of these. Um, Damn. I mean, a- X-Men, uh, The Last Stand, I don't even want to talk about it. It's so trash. I ain't even going to talk about it. Mission Impossible 3, like, I actually, I'm a fan of Mission Impossible 3. I think the story was a bit bland, but the great, R.I.P. the great Philip Seymour Hoffman, he was a good villain, and it made it kind of fun, you know, so... Uh, I did like the, you know, the third Mission Impossible. And that became like, yeah, Mission Impossible 3 was like the, like the Fast and the Furious 4 of the franchise as far as like, like that's yeah. the modern, that's became the modern franchise. Uh, yeah. Uh, 
Um, that's when it like finally hit the ground running as far as uh, uh, it was J.J. Abrams uh, directed or produced. I forgot which one, but um, yeah. and that's when uh, they had certain characters come back in like Mission Impossible 7, you know, it's from Mission Impossible yeah. 3. So it's like, you know, it's sort of like had that like modern uh, mm-hmm. arc so to speak. Yeah. Uh, I remember The Da Vinci Code being a very big deal. I remember watching with my family. See, all of these movies, like, I think I was in high school. I was, like, a junior in high school, and, like, I would go to the movies with my family and stuff like that. So I remember watching Poseidon in, like, the Dollar Theater, like, later that summer. I remember watching Mission, Pos- Mission Impossible 3 opening weekend, The Da Vinci Code opening weekend. I think I saw the X-Men The Last Stand opening weekend as, as well, and, like, I was watching it in, like, one of those older theaters it was called like the Sundance 11 and it was like you know a, sh- a shitty like shittier version of the movie theater where it had like a, an inclined seating instead of stadium seating yeah. oh man <laughs> but yeah uh. definitely a different time all right let's go ahead and move on to the 20 year anniversary and here's the thing about the 20 year anniversary it is the shortest list out of all of these uh, anniversaries which is crazy what? dang what the hell yeah so in uh, in May of 2001, we started off with The Mummy Returns, starring Brendan Fraser, then an, uh, A Knight's Tale, starring uh, Heath Ledger, the late Heath Ledger, then Shrek, the first Shrek movie turns 20 years uh, later this month, and then a Jennifer Lopez movie called Angel Eyes comes out, and Moulin Rouge, starring Nicole Kidman and Ewan McGregor, and lastly, rounding it out, I believe it was Memorial Day weekend, it was a movie called Pearl Harbor, starring Ben Affleck and uh, Josh Harnett. Uh, Man, that's all that came out? Yeah. That's crazy. I mean, look, Pearl Harbor, like, I ain't gonna act like I remember it coming out, but I just saying from when I seen it, it was terrible. I, what? I did not. Oh my God. What the hell? Okay. Yeah, I didn't like Pearl Harbor you know, at all. You know what? You shut your whore mouth. I'm just kidding. I, no. I gotta, I gotta be honest, Louis. Like, Pearl <laughs> Harbor was like one of the things that sunk Ben Affleck's career. Oh. You know what I'm saying? Until he had to revamp it. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, but uh, excuse the pun there. But yeah, it, it, his career got sunk with Pearl Harbor. No, his, yeah. his career got sunk with Gigli. Okay. All right. But whatever. Anyways. Uh, yeah, but okay. Okay. Good point. But this added on to it. Like, <laughs> this wasn't doing him no favors. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Terrible movie. Just awful. I'm going like, to tell you I, this right now. I, I, I liked the movie at the time. I remember liking it. And I even bought it on DVD, and we have I watched it a couple of times Sheesh. later on, like on like on repeat, like I did VHS tapes. But I did recently rewatch the movie uh, on HBO when it was like uh, like flipping through channels, and it was being aired on HBO for randomly. Like I think it might have been last year during COVID. Like uh, what I did watch, I was like, oh my god, this movie is actually kind of bad. <laughs> yeah, it's it's terrible. You know? I don't. That's I, one of them. It's one of them movies that like you watched so long ago before you really like. Pay attention to it being good or bad, and then you rewatch it again, and it just hits you like, oh my goodness! Like, yeah. So I only watched it once, and I'm never watching it again. Now, the Mummy Returns, uh, like I've, I, I don't remember. I've seen it, of course, but I just I get that's one I gotta watch again to remember how good or how bad it was. I remember liking it, but it was so long ago that. You know, I don't know if I liked it because it was good or I liked it because of it you know, the special effects. It was fun. It was popular. Yeah. So that's when I got to rewatch again. But damn, Shrek is turning 20 years old. I remember being a kid and my mama was saying, I don't know if you could watch that. And I'm like, mom, it's a cartoon. Like, what you talking about? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But uh, yeah, man, that's crazy that that's 20 years old. Like, I remember that's that blows my mind right there. Yeah, I watched uh uh, the Mummy Returns, uh, Shrek, and Pearl Harbor in theaters. Uh, I will say this. One of the things I did notice about this tw- this 20-year anniversary is that each of these movies, uh, there's four weekends in a, in a, in a, in a month. 
Um, the Mummy Returns had the first weekend. A Knight's Tale had the second weekend. Uh, Shrek and Angel Eyes uh, shared the third weekend, and Moulin Rouge and Pearl Harbor shared the fourth weekend. If I'm not either that or uh, Moulin, Rouge, Moulin Rouge might have been in the third weekend, but basically they were like keeping away from each other and basically like planting you know their flag on like this is my weekend and no one yeah. else coming here. So yeah. that's one of the things I noticed, and I actually kind of like that. I like you know having just one movie, one big movie per weekend, you know, to make it easier. Yeah. Um, so yeah, but the, it didn't really stay that uh, stay that way forever, but. We're going to go ahead and move on. Uh, oh, actually, no, wait, before I go move on to the 25-year uh, anniversaries, I did want to say one, uh, one thing. Number one, Shrek, you know, iconic and, you know, all that stuff. And um, it definitely made, like, modern CGI kid movies, you know, a thing as far as, like, everyone started aping their, their style, you know, being, like, all, like, pop culture and memes and shit. Which, yeah. it, you know, I will say, separate side note, that makes it hard. It makes it uh, harder for a movie to age well because you're, you're, you're starting to, like, talk about like music and, and culture now and it won't be relevant you know timeless you know 20 years from now kind of thing but yeah yeah uh shrek might shrek might uh, pass on that one though but i have to rewatch it uh and yeah. one last thing is a knight's tale um i saw a meme like a couple of years uh, like actually no not even a couple a couple months ago during one wandavision was a thing uh, uh i saw a meme that said like how you guys know uh how you guys know Paul Bettany, and then it was him in Vision, like in the Vision costume, and then it's like, and then how I know Paul Bettany, and it's him in the Knight's Tale, and the thing yeah. about him in the in a Knight's Tale is his very first scene where his character is introduced, he's like naked, and then that was oh, the that man. was the image that it was the image that they put on the meme. I was but like, these wow. people be doing all kind of shit on these memes these days. That's uh, all right, let's go ahead and move on to the 25-year anniversary. This takes us back to May of 1996, so I would have been like eight years old by this by this time, uh, or seven maybe actually. Um, starting things off is a movie called The Craft. It's about like these four girls that became the witches and stuff like that. It's crazy. I saw it in theaters. I can't believe I saw it in theaters. You know. <laughs> To tell you yeah. the truth, it's a crazy ass movie. I think I was, I was one of those kids I watched rated R movies with their parents and stuff like that. Uh, then there was a movie I never heard of. It was called Last Dance, starring Sharon Stone. And then there was this, another movie I watched in theaters, and I remember a specific scene. Uh, it's a movie called The Great White Hype. Have you heard of this movie? I've heard of it. I've never seen it. Oh my god! Uh, there was this, It's basically about a movie about these two boxers that are trying to fight that, and they're like hyping it up for the whole movie. And then the final, uh, finally, at the end of the uh, movie, they finally fight. Um, and it was a short ass fight. Like, um, and when it was so, it was so underwhelming. And everyone was like, he got knocked out in the first round, and it was super hilarious. It's a comedy. And uh, I, there was like this one specific line that of all the things I remember about this movie, uh, he like the, the, the boxer, like the, the challenger, he hits like, I think it was Damon Wayans' character, if I'm not, if I'm not mistaken, who's, which, which Wayne's brother was in it, but he, he, he hits him in the face and then, and then he, uh, he like gets hit and he says, uh, you're trying to embarrass me on TV? And then he's like, what? And then he just knocks, he sucker punches him and knocks him out. That was so hilarious. What was kind of what was funny about the whole like you're trying to embarrass me on TV is like he has a mouth guard on, so he mutters like, and then like his the subtitles are on there, and then the challenger's like confused, is like what the hell? Like that was so fucked up. But anyways, next up, Barbed Wire, starring Pamela Anderson. And okay, that's a thing. I didn't know that was an, didn't know that movie existed. Another movie I didn't know existed was a movie called The Paul Bearer, uh, starring um, from Friends David Schwimmer and also from the Iron Man movies Gwyneth Paltrow. Uh, next up is Twister. Now that's a movie right there. 
Uh, I think I that, like that movie. Uh, that's an there goes a, that's an action ass movie right there. That's a, that's a summer blockbuster even from the '90s. Um, next up is Boys, starring Winona Ryder and Lucas Haas, and then Flipper, and the very first Mission Impossible movie turns 25 years old. Uh, Mission mm. Impossible One. And what's kind of funny is Mission Impossible 1 comes out, and in the same exact weekend, Spy Hard comes out, which is uh, starring Leslie Nielsen. He was like one of those, uh, uh, you know, like he was in an airplane, and like, uh, was it like, was it Naked Gun or something like that? I forgot. But there's like, he does all of these like parody spoof action movies and stuff like that. So I thought that was really hilarious that he. Yeah, like, what you call it? I know they was up for like, they was uh, battling it out at the box office. <laughs> uh, and here's, here goes the movie right here. Uh, Dragonheart turns uh, uh, 25 years old and uh, I remember specifically going to watch this movie in theaters and I remember being very upset and angry that I fell asleep during the movie and I was like and I got I think I might have cried or something like that I don't know I was seven sure. I was like that's uh, I, I rewatched it like as like a teenager and stuff when it was on TV and I was like oh that movie kind of wasn't that good <laughs> and then uh, a movie uh, a Whoopi Goldberg movie called Eddie came out, and I believe that was her and her height. I would say her prime. Would you say? Yeah, yeah, for sure. The '90s, she was, you know, win, I believe she was winning Oscars and stuff. At least she won an Oscar for Ghost. Mm. And, and I think Ghost came out in the '90s. So yeah, that was her time. And lastly, The Arrival, starring Charlie Sheen. I never heard of that movie specifically. Me uh, either. But yeah, so as far as like the ones I heard of, I've I think I've seen Spy Hard. I think I've seen all of the Leslie Nielsen movies, Mission Impossible. I own Twister on VHS. I I remember that one scene from The Great White Hype and uh, The Craft. I believe The Craft is getting like a it recently got a remake, like a theatrical remake. Um, I never really heard anything about it, but I saw the trailer for the remake. Meh, it's just you know they're trying too I much. I seen uh, like Twister. That's a classic. But I remember calling bullshit on Twister though, like. <laughs> <laughs> it's a scene where they just end the fucking tornado, just end the tornado at the end. I'm just like, oh, really? Like, come on now. But it was it was just dope. It was like for cinema. You know, it was really, that's really what it was for. It was like not really to be believable because, I mean, you think about it, they're chasing tornadoes. Like, you know what I'm saying? I'm thinking these, like, these people tripping. Yeah. But but uh, it was a good movie, though. I remember that, that movie, watching that very young or whatever. Dang, the first Missing Impossible, baby. That's a classic. So, yeah. I mean... The, the, a lot of these movies I haven't seen or even heard of, I ain't gonna even lie, but those two movies there is what's up. All right, let's go ahead and move on to the 30 year anniversary. Uh, for the 30 year anniversary, we are going back to May of 1991. Uh, starts off with One Good Cop starring Michael Keaton and Rene Russo, uh, Rich Girl, and FX2, Switch starring Ellen Barkin and uh, Jimmy Smiths. Jimmy Smiths is, uh, was uh, Bail Organa in the Star Wars movies. Stone Cold, Mannequin on the Move, starring Christy Swanson, What About Bob, starring Bill Murray, Backdraft, starring Kurt Russell and Robert De Niro, Wild Hearts, uh, Can't Be Broken, Only the Lone, starring John Candy and Ali Sheedy, and Thelma and Louise, starring Susan Sarandon and Gina Davis. Oh, and here goes a sharing the love. Oh, yes, and Brad Pitt, yes. Uh, here goes a Sharing the Love. I don't know if you watched, uh, remember from BTS uh, number two, uh, Sharing the Love was, uh, was he gave a shout-out to Drop Dead Fred. And okay. uh, Soap Dish, starring Sally Field and Kevin Klein. So that's, uh, I, admittedly, except for, except for Thelma and Louise, and, now, and obviously Drop Dead Fred because of the podcast, I have not heard of any of these movies at all. 
Yeah, me either. I've heard of these actors like John Candy and Ali Sheedy. Ali Sheedy was like she was in the Breakfast Club. You know, she was part of the Brat Pack. Uh, this was probably her during her heyday and stuff like that, or at the at the tail end of her heyday because this was '91. Uh, but like as as far as like the like the actors that I like spotlighted, I you know I said the actor's name because I know who they are, but yeah. I've never heard of these movies. And yeah. uh, I would say as a whole, uh, with the exception of Thelma and Louise, I would say none of these movies really stood the test of time, which is crazy. Because I mean, it's made. as long as Thelma and Louise is on this list, it don't even matter. That's a straight up classic. And it's the movie that actually gave Brad Pitt his start. You know, know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Like, so that's like launched his career. You know what I mean? And it's dope when you go back and watch that and you see that like he had charisma, like you could see the superstar in him. Like it was crazy. So, yeah. All right. So let's go ahead and move on to the 35 year anniversary, which puts us at uh, May of 1986. Now, what's is crazy is 35 years ago, um, I wasn't even born yet. So I wasn't even thought of. And uh, Tom Cruise made Top Gun and it came out in May of 1986. And now we're about to, we're just now getting around to getting that sequel 35 years later, <laughs> which admittedly was supposed to come out like two years ago, or actually, was it last year or two years ago? I don't like, know. I think, I think last year, but due to COVID. Yeah, so, COVID. Like, it was supposed to come out in 2020. Yeah, I don't remember. I don't know if it had like an original like a release date for 2019, and then it got delayed not because of COVID, and then COVID delayed it again. I don't know. Like, Maybe. it might have been 2019 as original release date, but um, that being said, uh, Top Gun was the big, I would say, the big headliner. Um, he had uh, Tom Tom Cruise, Tim Robbins, Val Kilmer, uh, and also I believe uh, Meg Ryan might have been in it as well. If I'm not, if I'm just trying to recall from memory. Uh, but kicking off of uh, the the summer movie season back in May of 1986 was a movie called JoJo Dancer, uh, Your Life Is Calling, starring Richard Pryor, the late Richard Pryor. Um, next up was Blue, Blue City, starring Judd Nelson, and again, Ali Sheedy during the height of her Brat Pack days. Oh, and a movie that I really love, uh, Short Circuit. Have you heard of that? No, I never heard of it. How the hell? Oh, my God. Uh, never, bro. Okay, starring Ali Sheedy. So, okay, well, damn. Ali Sheedy had two movies come out in back-to-back weeks. Okay. Uh, Ali Sheedy and Steve Gutenberg. That boy career was booming at that time. She- Steve Gutenberg, yeah. The Police Academy movies. He's been in like a shit ton of movies uh, throughout the 80s and 90s. Uh, I'm surprised he didn't stay relevant, you know, you know, even to this day. But anyways, Short Circuit was a movie about like the scientist that creates a, a sentient robot and his name is Johnny Five. Um, mm. and he was like, you know, Johnny five was a dope ass character. I actually like short circuit two better than short circuit one. Uh, and, uh, yeah, he's, it's sort of like just a robot just going around, like exploring life and, you know, learning, you know, you know, learning, learning moralities. And it was a comedy and it was really good. I liked it. Um, I like, yeah, I, I think they did better on the second movie. And at the end of the second movie, uh, Johnny five, I guess, it's, I guess minor spoilers, but Johnny five gets like gold plated at the end of the movie. He's all swagged out, and then he becomes like a U.S. citizen, and I was like, "That's crazy." <laughs> and next up is Fire with Fire, starring Virginia Madsen, Dangerously Close, Critters, Sweet Liberty, uh, Cobra, starring Sylvester Stallone and Bridget Nielsen, and Poltergeist Two: The Other Side. And rounding it out is Jake Speed. So yeah, I would say the only two shoutouts for me were Top Gun and Short Circuit. Most of these others, again. Never heard of. 
Yeah, I'm right with you. I mean, Top Gun for me is the only thing I've seen. So you know, I haven't seen a lot of these. The further the further we go back in time, the further I have no clue. Like you know, I start <laughs> to get away because you know, it start to get before my time. You know what I mean? But yeah, Top Gun a classic for sure. Yeah. All right. Last up is going to be the 40 year anniversary. This place, this puts us at May of 1981. King of the Mountain. Uh, Hard Country starring Kim Basinger, The Fan, The Legend of the Lone Ranger, Bustin' Loose starring Richard Pryor, uh, The Four Seasons, I think it was The Four Seasons, uh, starring Alan Alda and Carol Burnett, Outland starring Sean Connery, uh, actually the late Sean Connery and the late Peter Boyle, uh, Polyester uh, and The Sea Wolves starring Roger Moore. Uh, the only thing I want to say about uh, Outland is uh, Peter Boyle is he's the dad and uh, everybody loves Raymond. So, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. He was actually a, a a big actor around this time. He was in like Martin Scorsese's Taxi Driver and other movies like that. He was booming. Yeah, so it's kind of crazy. Like uh, like a lot of actors back in like '81. I mean, again, never heard of these movies by the way. But you know, everyone who knows who Richard Pryor is, you know, Sean Connery, Peter Boyle, Roger Moore. Uh, Kim Basinger, it's like, damn, it's like some of these these careers are, they be popping, you know? Yeah. Uh, but yeah, that's, uh, that's, that's the anniversaries that I pulled up here. I didn't want to go further than that. Um, but yeah, that's a, it's, it's a good, it's a good little trip down memory lane. And, uh, I just, whenever like the times when I was born and stuff like in the nineties and stuff like that, taking me back to my childhood, it's, it's really nice to reflect and remember the time and place where I was and stuff like that. So yeah, it was uh, it was some big surprises on her this time, this go around. Yeah, hopefully uh, June will give us some more surprises as well. But in the meantime, uh, let's go ahead and just transition to impressions. Uh, let the impressions again. I'm gonna basically be taking point on this one because I watched a shit ton of things. Uh, yeah, here. this uh, I'm gonna just leave it to you for right now because uh, <laughs> you got all the impressions on here. <laughs> so I went on like a, a binging spree here. Um, I had like two movie nights and stuff with my family. I had a movie night with my nephews where I watched The Mitchells versus the Machines. Um, I gotta say, I would say out of you know, the okay, I watched three things. The Mitchells vs. the Machines, Invincible, which is a series, and then Tom Clancy's Without Remorse, which is also a movie. So between the two movies that I watched, I would say The Mitchells vs. the Machines was better than Tom Clancy's oh, Without Remorse. Oh, really? Yes. Man, um, see, that makes me want to, that make me want to see it now. <laughs> so um, the movie was, uh, was funny. Um, it was very heartfelt, and it really, like, I, I, I'm not gonna, I'm gonna just, uh, act like a little bitch right now, but I actually got a little teary-eyed during the end of the movie. Um, I mean, that means that they're doing something right, you yeah, know what I mean? Yeah, the characters, I, I think, I don't know, it's just kind of, I, I, I don't think, uh, like, it's kind of like soul, you know what I mean? Like, when adults kind of sort of, like, get the feels more than, than what kids yeah. would feel it, because much like soul, like, you know, soul is about, like, you know, getting older and stuff like that, and, like, you know, like, living a life, and it feels like uh, the Mitchells versus the Machines sort of, like, has that same, like, themes and, uh, and motifs about, like, uh, I mean, like, ultimately, like, the show is about a family, and they're trying to, like, you know, become a better family as far as like having a better relationship with each other. Um, like these, the family has struggles to like get each other and connect with each other, even though they have these devices and stuff like that. It's or they're like, they're basically like miles apart, like really like uh, mentally, emotionally and stuff like that. And it's really crazy like to, to see like this story unfold and just, and I sort of like vibe with the father uh, of the show, of the movie. And, uh, uh, and what's quite, which is like the the whole movie like revolves and is it's centered around the daughter, but like I was I was sort of like 
you know, you know as I guess as, as an adult, you just sort of like see it from like a different perspective. And it's just, it's just crazy. Like there's this moment that happens before the climax and it just punches you in the gut, like straight up. And I'm like, and I hear, I'm like, like fighting back the tears and wiping away my eyes and stuff and like hoping my nephews don't notice me and stuff like that. But like, I was like, damn, it, this was crazy. It was good. It was actually funny. Like there were like a lot of laugh out loud moments and they were like a good, like they, they did a good job of setting up like f future jokes in the movie, by the way. So I, I think that the movie as a whole, like, was really well done, well executed, well paced. The credits also makes me, like, want to cry, too, because the credits, uh, they, they put pictures of their actual families, like the director's family or, like, the, the actors, like, the childhood photo of the actors on screen. Like, it just makes you, like, all sentimental and stuff like that seeing this, and it's crazy, but... Oh, um, wow, man, that's how you got me kind of excited for it, low-key. Yeah, uh, so uh, I'll give you a little spoiler. Uh, the Mitchells vs. the Machine was the number one movie on Netflix, on the Netflix chart. Uh, next up, I watched, uh, let's go ahead and I'll pivot over to Tom Clancy's Without Remorse because it's, a, it's another movie. Uh, ultimately, I think the movie was actually really all right. You know, I would say, uh, I would say that's about it. I think the movie is a bit forgettable in the sense that I, 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 you know, what's it's not to say that it's a bad movie, by the way, but it's just another run of the mill espionage thriller. Like I, we've seen that movie, uh, we've seen that movie many times before. And I, I mean, yeah, even the trailer, man, I remember looking at, <laughs> yeah, because we've seen like Tom Clancy ass movies before with like, you know, like the sum of all fears and all these other stuff. And, uh, uh, yeah, uh, it, it's, it's all right. Like the thing about the the thing that makes this movie good is Michael B. Jordan. He like he's carrying the movie on his shoulders and stuff like that. His back is hurting after carrying that movie. He's really good. He gives a really good performance. The action set pieces are actually really good, by the way. There's this crazy ass moment. There's this crazy ass moment where that where a plane crashes and stuff like that, and it's sinking into the water. And and Michael B. Jordan has to go underneath, like to go, go inside the plane, swim inside the plane as it's sinking and it's scary as fuck it's intense but ultimately like it's not uh, i'm just generic yeah yeah ultimately like the characters and like you know it's it, it's nothing really uh, to write home about i mean it really it's michael b jordan is being like a badass and stuff like that. he has scene after scene of after scene of him being a badass and stuff like that but like there's really nothing like emotionally like holding it together for me personally and also um it's gonna it's going to fade in my memory. I can see it happening. Like, I'm not going to be thinking about it. Um, it's a solid seven. You know what I mean? Like, you're, uh, you, I mean, if, you're, if you got Prime. Yeah, yeah. I would say it's a good movie. Like, in my, in my opinion, like, I have it as six. Like, five means you're mediocre. You know, six means you're okay. Seven means you're good. You know, so I would say it's a good movie. Um, and, yeah, that's about it. Like, that's no, it's really, it's Michael B. Jordan's show. It's really, if you're, if you if you know what he's about, if you've seen Creed, if you've seen him in Black Panther, then you know what kind of intensity he can bring as far as physicality. So I think you're going to be in for a show. And that's about it. Yeah. Um, and lastly, I watched a, a series also on Amazon. Uh, so I was just on Amazon this weekend. Uh, I watched a series called Invincible. Invincible wrapped up its uh, season uh, finale this past weekend, and I'm glad I didn't uh, watch it until now because I was able to binge watch the entire season instead of watching it week by week, uh, the way like WandaVision and stuff like that comes out. Uh, because I heard about the hype about Invincible, but I didn't get around to it, and I'm glad it just sort of crescendoed here with the season finale. And holy shit, this series is good. Like, I, my mind was blown after the first episode. Like. I don't want to spoil it. That's how good it is. Like, eight. 
eight episodes, 45 minutes each. And, and by the way, like, there, this show does really good things with like taking shortcuts when it comes to character development because uh, the movie or the, the series is about uh, it's based on a comic book where there's a um, um, it's like Justice League and the Avengers like if Marvel and DC had like an amalgamation where there's like a world where like there's superheroes everywhere and stuff like that like in universe there they have like a uh, a superman clone they have a wonder woman clone they have a batman clone they have a hellboy clone they have like you know any uh they have a a, a, a nick fury clone they have um a phil colson clone they have like characters that you can you can sort of like parlay as far as like you know oh i kind of sort of get a feel for who they are because i've seen other co uh comic book stuff and so they do some crazy ass shit with uh, with their with their Superman character. Uh, the show is about uh, a okay. So the the name of their character, his name is Omni Man. He's that universe's Superman, and uh, he has a son in the in the within the the universe. And his son um, becomes uh, he uh, when he turned like 17 years old, and that's when the show starts. He's finally getting his powers are finally showing up. You know, he lived his life as a boy, like as a, as a normal human, but then all of a sudden now his powers are manifesting. And so he decided to, you know, be like his father and, you know, become invincible. His, his name of his, his superhero name is Invincible. And uh, yeah, he's under the shadow of Omni-Man and stuff like that. And uh, oh, my God, um, I would say the best way of explaining it uh, without spoilers is think about uh, the Amazon series, The Boys. Think, think that, that that's somewhere in there. Um, and I, I really think you should watch just at least the first episode and you will be like, your mind will be blown. My God, like I, you, I, would, I would love for you to watch it and then you come back and tell me. Uh, we might even do like a spoilers or something like that on it uh, where we talk about like what happened and stuff like that. You're not, you're, 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 gonna, you're gonna be tripping balls after, after watching that show. And I think uh, it's, yeah, exactly. Uh, so out of the three, I had the most fun with Invincible. I was, I, I binge watched all of it in one sitting. Like that's how, and that's how good it was. Like I had to go and watch the next episode. Like I couldn't wait. So uh, I feel, I feel bad for those that had to wait <laughs> week to week. <laughs> all right. Uh, yeah, that's impressions. Um, let's go ahead and move on to the news. We interrupt this program to bring you a special report. All right, so we're having another slow news week, which is good because I, we have a lot of show to cover anyways. But uh, let's go ahead and talk about something that I forgot to mention last week on uh, on last week's show. Um, completely skipped over it, which is crazy. My bad. So uh, HBO Max gains 3 million subscribers in, quarter, in Q1 and quarter one. Uh, AT&T beats Wall Street's forecasts. Uh, this comes from Variety. Uh, and it says here, uh, HBO Max continued its uh, continued on its growth curve in the first three months of 2021, powered by in, powered in part by the big budget films like Godzilla vs Kong and Zack Snyder's Justice, Justice League that streamed onto the service during the first quarter. HBO Max gained about three million total subs uh, subscribers uh, sequentially. Uh, Sequentially, uh, AT&T said, a number that the company should be pleased with after concerns HBO Max might have trouble retaining subs after a big lift from Wonder Woman 1984 in December. Uh, last month, Warner Brothers said Godzilla vs. Kong had the biggest viewing audience than any other film or show on HBO Max since its May 2020 launch, although it didn't provide any actual numbers. As of the end of March, HBO Max slash HBO combined had a 44.2 million domestic customers, up 2.7 million from 41.5 million at the end of 2020. 
losses on the legacy uh, HBO side were offset by HBO Max's retail and wholesale growth. So, yeah, that's uh, that's good. So you ended in December 2020 um, at a 41.5, and now uh, as of April 1st, you are at 44.2. So that's a good growth. Uh, that's very solid. Don't really have a whole lot to say beyond that. I'm I'm just. Uh, you know, it's really hard to like put these numbers into perspective because I feel like Disney Plus is like such a runaway success with such amazing growth that it sort of like warps reality because if you're not Disney Plus level, then it feels like it's an L. All right, the only thing to add to that uh, with regards to um, the HBO Max situation is that hopefully the numbers get like, you know, Disney Plus numbers. Maybe we can talk about like, you know, when June, when uh, the second quarter ends in what, uh, June 30th. So hopefully in July, when they get these reporting in, we'll get like, you know, maybe like 60, 70 million dollar or 70 million subscriber range. And hopefully to add to that, uh, this is like a little side story from the extra news that I pulled in here. It says here that HBO Max's cheaper ad supported tier will reportedly cost $9.99. And it's coming in June. And this comes from The Verge. Basically, uh, instead of paying uh, the $15 a month, for, uh, for regular HBO Max, you can pay $10 a month and get ads. Um, so hopefully that lower price point can make them more competitive. Uh, I'm not sure how I feel about, uh, you know, paying for content and still getting ads. You know what I mean? So yeah, I would hell no. <laughs> can you imagine watching a new movie that debuts and you got to watch commercials, ads with it? Like, come on, man. Yeah. So, you know, it, it's a thing, you know. Um, it's a it's another option though. So it you know like if someone they can't afford it and they don't mind ads, it's a, it's a good option. Just for me, fuck no. <laughs> All right, let's uh, move on to the, I would say what's arguably the biggest story of the week. Uh, DC Fandom is coming back this year, Woo! returning in October. This story comes from the Hollywood Reporter, and it says that the online event returns October sixteenth, which is a Saturday, and. Uh, it's a one-day-only event. Uh, so let's uh, go ahead and read this article here. Over the past year, fan conventions migrated online as the coronavirus pandemic shuttered in-person gatherings. DC even launched its own uh, convention called DC Fandom in August of 2020, and it was an event that pro provided uh, the type of news-making reveals you'd expect from a marquee con but which were in short, short supply as other conventions struggled to recreate the buzz and energy of their normal gatherings. Now, DC announced D, uh, Fandom will return for a second year with the convention occurring on October 16th. And it says no further details were provided, but last year's event was jam-packed with impressive reveals, including the first trailer of the Batman and Zack Snyder's Justice League, as well as the first looks at the Suicide Squad and teases for movies such as Black Adam, The Flash, and Aquaman 2. Um, in addition to all the stuff that they mentioned, there was they also teased like they talked about the games. There was a lot of like DC games that were being announced, like like Arkham, uh, like Gotham Knights or whatever, um, among other things. Uh, so I, I gotta say that. It's kind of funny that the original release date for the Batman was in October of this year, and then they got pushed back and delayed. Um, and you know, presumably when this, uh, when the second uh, DC fandom happened, we would have, we could have been getting like you know the Robert Pattinson Batman instead. But whatever, I would probably imagine that since it's coming out in March of next year, I would say the the Robert Pattinson Batman is going to get all of the footage, all of the, the spotlight. It's going to be the headliner. I would say. Yeah, for sure. 
Um, the only thing that I was going to uh, just uh, um, react to is uh, that this is like a, uh, a digital one day only event. So the way they are doing it is that they're uploading all of their panels digitally within the DC Fandom website, and you can only access it for one day. So you can go to every virtual panel you want. You can go in and on your own schedule, like, you know, click on it and then you know, go to the next panel and go to the next announcement, go to the, like, you can do, you, you personally can set your own, you know, uh, time frame, but it has to be done on Saturday. It's going to be like closed off or something like that. They're only, they're not going to have it like up there on the library for you to check out anytime you want. It's only a one day event. You have to be there or not. So what are your thoughts of like, you know, of that kind of strategy of just sort of like closing it off? Uh, I, I like it. I like the idea. Um, mainly because i mean it's just to me it's just fun like you you're either gonna beat like you said you have your own schedule you know what i'm saying and then you know you watch it you you know you pick what's important or what you want to see or what you mostly excited about you know what i mean so i think that's pretty cool and like last i think the last dc fandom it was over a span of the whole weekend, weekend kind yeah. of thing which it's cool too but like i felt like you know just to get it all bomb dropped on you at once is the best because i remember waiting like all right you know first day and i'm like man they talking about this for tomorrow and i'm like dang i gotta wait till tomorrow i like the idea of we just getting everything you know what i'm saying like at once so i'm excited about the dc fandom you know me personally and i'm and i'm in the minority here I actually feel like DC should do this from now on. Like, forget <laughs> going to Comic-Con. Like, this, like, DC fandom, to me, last year's DC fandom was better than anything they've ever did at Comic-Con. Like, literally. Like, if you think about the games they announced with Suicide Squad and the uh, the uh, the Batman game with, like, all his... his uh, his partners and stuff like that that shit look was dope you think about them revealing the batman the little batman trailer that was dope they revealed you know the suicide they gave you like behind the scenes of a suicide squad it was just so much stuff man and i just was like oh this is so cool like and it was like a it was really more like of a celebration felt like for dc you know it felt like a celebration for dc and um at comic-con they kind of got to share that that uh that vibe with the other companies yeah. studios and stuff that's gonna be there representing their comic books but if it's dc it's like all the news that's coming out all the buzz is about dc you know what i mean so i personally i think it was fun i enjoyed dc fandom and i think they should just start doing this every year instead of the comic-con thing i think if i'm not mistaken uh, Marvel and D and Disney, they've been done that. Like, I don't D23. think they've been to Comic Con in yeah. in years now. So, I think this is DC's turn to say, "All right, let's let's you know isolate ourselves as well." Yeah, um, and that, it sucks for Comic Con, by the way, because they're losing scoops and stuff like that. So, uh, yeah, it they're... sucks for Comic Con, but you know, Comic Con could go back to what it was always about—comics and <laughs> stuff like that, and cosplay and just enjoying the the fun of being in a comic book world instead of like you know everyone going just commercialized for, yeah. Com yeah exactly it's all commercialized and then you can't even it's so packed you can't even get into the commercialized stuff so like really <laughs> comic-con low-key in a weird way if you think about it comic-con was kind of ruined like not necessarily ruined to the point where like oh you know no one likes comic-con it's ruined to the in a way where it's like the, you the can't scoop. wait at Comic Con, yeah. Right, exactly, exactly, and I think, and I think that's why you know 
that's where it could go back to how Comic Con used to be. Yeah, um, I I will say that um, when it comes to like going to actual conventions and stuff like that, they give you like a schedule of all the panels, and a lot of times there's a lot of panels that are happening at the same time, and you have to pick and choose which panels you want to go to, and especially with Comic Con, every everyone's trying to get into Hall H, but you know there's only so much capacity. Um, so yeah, it's it, it's a uh, it's definitely uh, I like the idea of sort of doing a, a little convention where all the panels are, are there, like virtually. Uh, and I also like the idea that you can go to and visit your panels at your leisure. So um, I think I'm a little like iffy about it and stuff like that. I, I just think that there's they're they're trying to sort of honoring like the in-person event thing because you have to be there like you have to like there's a lot of hall h panels that you know they're like the only way you can see it is through shaky cam footage because they're not uploaded officially on any capacity or whatever so i'm not and a that's fan smart. of that i'm not a fan of that but it's it's good for the fans that are hardcore about it so i don't know i'm and then and also like and you got to realize even though dc and marvel ain't gonna be there which are i mean the two big is comic book studios but it's so many other stuff that get revealed at comic-con so it's not like they won't you know have any big reveals and stuff like that all right so uh let's go ahead and move on to the next story and this is uh coming from collider it says here that a godzilla versus kong sequel is in the works and it might be son of kong so <laughs> after the 400 come on I, I know, I know, Troy. You're not. I know you're not a fan of this of this kind of bullshit. But let's go ahead and move on. Uh, after the 400 million dollar worldwide success of Adam Wingard's Godzilla vs Kong, which surprisingly featured no mid credit tease for a sequel, the Hollywood Reporter reports that Legendary is opening up talks for the director to return for at least one more MonsterVerse sequel. The report also notes that the one title being uh, bandied about is Son of Kong. A sentence that fills me with sincere Lovecraftian dread. <laughs> Man, I feel like these writers for these websites would be on like they'd be on something and stuff like that. Uh, because this is like second week in a row where it's like, damn, you guys are giving me lip in your article. Um, for those uh, blessedly unaware, Son of Kong is a sequel to the original 1933 King Kong that arrived a mere nine months after its predecessor at a breezy 62 minutes long. Damn. Son of Kong etched its way into film history by introducing Kong's adorable silly son, who almost immediately drowns to death, saving his father's murderer from a <laughs> tropical storm. Jesus Christ. Oh, my God. Okay. It is one of Don't them. that just sound cheesy as hell? <laughs> it sounds From horrible. a tropical storm. He saved him from a tropical storm. He goes and drowns and saving hell, his, his father's murderer. God damn. Okay. It is one of the most deranged endings to a movie since the invention of the camera. God <laughs> damn. <laughs> it changed me on a fundamental cellular <laughs> level. God damn. Like, Jesus Christ. These... These these writers, I'm okay. You know what? I'm gonna stop right there. Okay, I don't need to go any further and stuff like that. That the headline is, they're working on a sequel. What are your thoughts of this direction? Like, how do you do? What? Okay, how do you pull this off? Is there a Mrs. Kong up here? We they never showed a they never showed the the uh, you know the genders of these you know whatever. But anyways, go yeah, go for it. I, I you know I don't I hate this idea. I'm not gonna lie. I I really hate this idea because listen, all movies are made for money we get it we get it like we understand to make a profit 
that's what you know that's what they're in this for but i can't stand when it's so obvious that they're just <laughs> making it for money like don't make it feel obvious that this is just a quick cash dra- uh, grab you know what i mean it's like and why would we want to see sun kong sun fight godzilla like that's what the f- that's whack like if anything we want the rematch like let them run it back you know what i'm saying like really you gonna bring song kong sun into it like and then like you said that that creates more problems it more plot holes now you gotta introduce a, a woman kong you gotta or you just don't explain it and he just have a son By regardless, <laughs> right regardless it's stupid it's just like the 1998 godzilla when he had a bunch of babies and i'm like how is he a he but he have a bunch of babies and where's the other godzilla and they're like oh he made him himself i'm like what like it was yeah, ridiculous I think, I think reptiles have this weird thing or whatever i don't know but yeah Listen, there's no defending that there's no defending that but <laughs> This is even more ridiculous than that. You know what I mean? And so I, I don't know. It's it just sounds whack. And then the thing about it, like, what is Kong gonna be? He because he's Kong's son. He's gonna have to be so smaller. So is he gonna is he gonna be smaller? So why would we want a smaller God Kong versus Godzilla? You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. It just sounds ter- terrible. Like, a te- I'm hoping this is just a terrible idea that got leaked and now it's a rumor. That's what I'm hoping. Okay. All right. Well, at the very least, I'm I'm happy that at least Adam Wingard is coming back for the sequel. So hopefully, they'll do something interesting. Hopefully, I don't know. Again, all rumor, all speculation. Let's just hope that maybe it's just something that's being pitched around or whatever. But maybe they'll get back on track with something actually good worth pursuing. Um, next up, this comes from IndieWire, and it says here that Lupita Nyong'o teases reshaping Black Panther two. Um, it is so respectful uh, of the loss we've experienced. This is what the quote says. It says that Lupita Nyong'o grew close to Chadwick Boseman during the making of their 2018 MCU hit, Black Panther. His death on August 28th last year inspired her to write a powerful tribute shortly thereafter, as the two would have eventually collaborated on Black Panther 2. As previously announced, Boseman's role as T'Challa isn't going to be recast in Ryan Coogler's forthcoming sequel, expected to drop in 2022. But Oscar winner Nyong'o will be starring in the film, resuming her role as Nakia, T'Challa's former lover and undercover spy for Wakanda. In in a recent interview with Yahoo Movies, Nyong'o teased what the film was going to be like without Boseman. People will ask me, are you excited to go back? Excitement isn't the word... I feel like I'm very in a very pensive and meditative state when it comes to Black Panther 2. His passing is extremely raw for me, and I can't even begin to imagine what it will be like to step on set and not have him on not have him there. She added, but at the same time we have a leader in Ryan who feels very much like we do, who feels the loss in a very very real way as well. And his idea the way which he has reshaped the second movie is so respectful of the loss we've all experienced as a cast and as a world. So it feels spiritually and emotionally correct to do this. And hopefully what I do look forward to is getting back together and honoring what he started with us and holding his light through it because he left us, he left us a lot of light that we're still going to be bathing in. I know that for sure. So what are your thoughts on that very very poetic respectful words right there you know uh it sounds it sounds good and i and i hope that you know and i'm not i ain't gonna say i hope i'm pretty sure they're gonna honor 
you know, chat with Bozeman as Black Panther. That, you know, my personal opinion, I, I just rather them, you know, go a different direction just because the Black Panthers are not there. I don't know how they're going to do it. But that's one of the things I got to wait and see. But the good thing is Ron Coogler is a genius and he was a good friend of Chadwick Boseman and his portrayal of Black Panther. So I think, you know, we're in good hands. So, um, yeah, it sounds great, though. Yeah, um, so it's it's an it's a good um, idea, I guess. You know, Ryan Coogler already had an outline for what Black, Black Panther Two was going to be, so he had to go back to the drawing board and re reshape uh, her words. She he had to reshape uh, the plot uh, and the story of Black Panther Two to sort of like acknowledge and you know pay tribute. Um, I I guess I'm of I'm of two minds and stuff like that. Like me personally, like if I were if I were Kevin Feige, like. I feel like the right choice would have been to recast, uh, which is like definitely blasphemy. Uh, yeah, but to me, that is. But I feel like the better way of honoring his legacy would to instead of just en- ending and stopping his character, his character lives on in the MCU. Like I think it would be better and more poetic for, you know, for for T'Challa to continue to mean something to the world, you know, beyond because you know T'Challa is still active and and a leader. You know, he's like the new Captain America of the MCU, so to speak. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, I, I disagree with what you're saying, you know, but I but you're not the only one that has that opinion. I've heard other people say it, but I just wholeheartedly disagree. Yeah, I mean, like, I, I feel like Ryan Coogler shouldn't have to rework his outline. You know what I mean? Like, that's, I want to see what would have happened had he not passed. So Yeah, but see, that, like, but that sounds selfish, though. Even you saying it, it's like that, like, you wanted to see the Black Panther in the, marvel story that was gonna happen but the you know but that's and that's one of the reasons why i feel like it's disrespecting him not i ain't gonna say it goes far as saying disrespecting him but i that's why i don't think it's the right move because i just feel like you know it's like oh you were just somebody in the role you know like oh you go we just get a new one right like you know the feeling of just being replaced like you wasn't necessary you know like if you were to get fired and they just hire someone new you know like that's basically to me what would be happening if you just recast the role you see what i mean now if he played black panther just say this this tragic you know uh event happened or this tragic situation happened after he played black panther one time in captain america civil war then maybe i could understand because it's like you know but after he's played him several times he's kind of been he's known he's the face of that character to just recast him and we have to kind of pretend that he was never that not how he ever looked in my opinion it's not the right move you know i think the right move is to maybe you know uh give the mantle to someone else you know and work the story in a way where the mantle was being passed down so that way he still was always the character it never changed you know Mm -hmm. what i mean so that's just my opinion fair enough so what are your thoughts uh as far as the mantle do you think it's gonna go to shuri umbaku or someone else or someone new Oh, man, that's a tough one, man, because I I feel like it's a good chance it could go to Sherry just because, you know, she's a woman and like, you know, the the times that we're in, you know, like, I don't don't think Marvel would want to deal with the controversy of like, oh, so what, she couldn't be Black Panther because she, you know what I mean? So they might go that direction. But I don't think it'll be M'Baku because he just doesn't seem like or feel like Black Panther. I think that'll be a throw off. Like, that'll throw a lot of people off, you know. But uh, I think that's the that's the route they'll go with or introduce someone new. 
you know, introduce someone that we might have, you know, not seen. He was like somewhere in Wakanda, but off screen from what we seen. And then, you know, he passes the mantle down to him or something like that. But I'm very curious to see what they do. Okay. All right. Uh, let's go ahead and move on to the extra news. Uh, speaking of Black Panther 2, uh, it's officially confirmed that uh, the title is going to be Black Panther Wakanda Forever. That's uh, number one. Number two is DC Green Lantern series cast Finn Wittrock as Guy Gardner. Number three, Alamo Drafthouse is set to reopen 30 locations after the bankruptcy. Number four, Invincible is officially renewed for seasons two and three. Number five, Anthony Mackie found out about Captain America 4 in the news. <laughs> That's fucked up. Number six, <laughs> you found out you got a job <laughs> on Twitter. <laughs> That's fucked up, man. Uh, number six, Black Adam's suit is not going to have any padding, says The Rock. Uh, so, yeah, that's, uh, again, very short news week here as well. Uh, but as far as these uh, these headlines go, what are your thoughts? Well, uh, Black Panther 2, Wakanda Forever, it, that felt like like just cliche. Or I don't know, it just... <laughs> I, I just I hope I just wish they did something else. You know what I mean? Like it's just such. It's like a little on a, the nose, I would say. Yeah, it's just too on the nose. Wakanda forever. Like it's you know. So I don't know. I don't really like it, but it, who cares about? It? It's just a title. You know what I mean? So who cares? But uh, I mean they already did it with like Avengers the uh, Endgame. You know why everybody was saying Endgame and it was actually Endgame. Uh, but uh, DC Green Lantern. Uh, what's the name? Finn. Uh, Finn, uh, what his name Finn is? Finn Wittrock. Whit he was in like Whitrock? American Horror Story, and he yeah, was yeah, yeah. I actually like that casting because a he just looks like the character, like he fits the the look, and you know he I I think he it works, and he's a good actor, so he I was, think uh, you know it'll work. He was in the Big Short as well. Oh, I forgot that he was even in that. Yeah, okay, yeah. He's a he's solid. That's solid casting. You know, I'm I'm excited about this series so much. And any news that is announced on it is, is I'm, it gets me even more excited. Man, I'm gonna, tell you, this, huh? I'm gonna tell you this right now, man. Like I feel yeah. like the for me, Green Lantern will 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 be and always will be Hal Jordan. I feel like this is fucked up. Right. They're trying to get right. away from the Ryan uh, uh, Ryan Reynolds, like yeah, yeah. Hal Jordan, and so they're going with well, Guy Gardner. I think with this with, with this uh, series, they're gonna have all the Green Lanterns, and I think that's what's dope about it. Like. They're going to have Jon Stewart, Hal Jordan, Gardner, all those different Green Lanterns. So it's not going to, like, he's not the main Green Lantern, or he's not going to be the only Green Lantern. I think he's the first one that's cast or announced. Okay. You know, but, but uh, yeah, I, I we're going to have all of I guess I'll allow it. I, it, might, it sounded like to me that they were just going to go with Guy Gardner, and that's it. Like, no, yeah. no. I, yeah, they're, they're going, and, and I think that's a good idea because, again, Green Lantern, man, is very divided. Like, you got a lot of people that like John Hal Stewart, Jordan. Yeah. You got a lot of people that like John Stewart. And so, like, if you just pick one of the Green Lanterns, it's going to, it's somebody out there going to be like, man, I wanted this Green Lantern. You know what I mean? So I think it's a good idea to have all of them. You know what I mean? So yeah, I don't that's know any plan. guy Gardner stands. I'll tell you that right now. But whatever. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, but uh, Alamo Drafthouse, that's my favorite uh, movie theater chain. I love Alamo Drafthouse. So that excites me. I can't wait to sit back and watch an Alamo Drafthouse movie. And uh, yeah, that's, that's great news for me. And I ain't going to lie, man. Anthony Mackie finding out that Captain America 4, like, is happening by the news, that's just bullshit. You know Whoa. what I mean? That's, <laughs> that, that's just messed up. You know what I mean? Like, like 
chop it up with like talk to everybody you need to talk to first then announce stuff like you know what i mean like so i'm but pretty that's sure they I, were in a situation where anthony mackie's under contract that they didn't even have to like get him to well, sign up for well it. yeah i mean they don't have to because yeah. like they if you're on the contract you don't have yeah. to but like have the decency to say hey man we're gonna work together again just be prepared to be you know black i mean uh to be captain america in the new movie like that's it I, i'm not saying like oh he has to, to they don't have to do anything once you're on the contract you're their slave but <laughs> <laughs> but it's just like have the decency to you know communicate so i don't know that's just kind of messed up to me but i mean I'm, I'm sure he ain't tripping that's a check for him and uh but yeah that's a, oh and black adam with the suit thing uh that's i don't know that's to me that's the rock saying i'm buff and i want to show my muscles so i don't really care um so the one the last thing just to just to finish out is it's kind of funny that black uh, that i like i like how uh the rock is sort of like throwing shade at uh at shazam you know because of his yeah he, yeah it was kind of funny because like zachary levi got like in shape and he got cut and muscular for the role and you saw him like in those pictures and stuff and he, he looks like a superhero body and stuff like that but he didn't yeah. have bulk <laughs> yeah and so yeah I, I i don't really like what they did with shazam in terms of like why did they do that like he looked, they made him he like, looked like look, he was made out of, out of a pillow by the way just of a my, pillow yeah it looked like he was like a like a, for a kid at chuck e cheese for like dressing up for kids at chuck e cheese like you know <laughs> it felt weird you know what i mean so i mean that's a shot that's thrown but hopefully hopefully they upgrade a suit in shazam too yeah, so uh, I I just think it's really hilarious that they're just throwing a little bit of shade because the Rock is so swole that he can literally fill it out himself. So yeah, <laughs> but he's the Rock, so you know whatever. Uh, but yeah, that's pretty much it for the news. So let's go ahead and move on to check this out. Take this out. Lots of trailers came out within the last seven days. Uh, too many to, to really uh, spotlight here. So I'll be putting uh, a link in the show notes for all the trailers, and I'm going to just do a quick rundown uh, of the ones that just, um, you know, just a really, like the lesser trailers here first. I'll go ahead and lead out with the Peter Rabbit 2, the Runaway trailer dropped. Uh, a new Wrath of Man, Red Band trailer dropped, um, and Wrath of Man is going to be one of the new releases of the week. Um, uh, a trailer for uh, a movie called The Misfits, which stars uh, Pierce Brosnan and Nick Cannon, among other people. So that's interesting. That's an interesting match. If it got Nick Cannon in it, I ain't even going to watch it. Damn! Yeah, I ain't going to even lie. Oh, damn, that's fucked up. There was this, I forgot her name, but there was an Asian girl. She's been in a lot of movies and stuff like that. I can't think of her name right now, but she's also in it. It's like a whole heist movie thing going on. Um, yeah. Next up was a, a, a movie called Occupation Rainfall, which was an action movie, and it's made by Saban, which is, like, the people that own Power Rangers, uh, and they have Ken Jong as, like, the scientist and stuff like that, and uh, it looks interesting. It's set in, like, in a post-apocalyptic future where, like, aliens invaded and stuff like that, and uh, there's, like, this one last... Uh, one last shot for humanity they're doing a big battle so yeah it looked interesting i i think they're balling on a budget when you know it looks like it was cheaply made but they also made it look expensive so i think that's cool um yeah those are like the smaller trailers i would say like the bigger trailers to oh actually i forgot about this other smaller trailer uh something called american trader the trial of axis sally it's a, a movie starring um al pacino of all things what yes al pacino yes. wait what movie is this american trader it's like a, it's a courtroom procedural drama thing going on. Yeah. 
Oh, yeah, I'm going to have to check that out for sure. <laughs> the great Al Pacino in it. I definitely got to check that out. Um, and then, yeah, that's it. So the bigger three trailers are, are Disney-related. Uh, first up, a new Luca trailer came out, and it actually shows a lot of scenes because the, like, the first one was more of a teaser trailer, uh, and now this is more of like a Disney Plus trailer, like, hey, you know, here this is uh, the movie and showing you some more uh, more scenes and stuff like that. It looks interesting. I don't know where it's going to like rank when, like, as far as like the, you know, the best Pixar films of all time, but, you know, it's, it's really hard when you're competing with yourself. But check out that trailer. And uh, there was a new uh, Black Widow. It's called an official National Superhero Day uh, teaser trailer. And How the, many trailers have that movie had? <laughs> Damn, it's I'm thinking like, it got to have been at least five. Man, you know, Disney's marketing strategy was all messed up with COVID and stuff like that. Because they, they, they had original trailers that said, like, May of 2020 and stuff like that. So... Yeah, they but like this new teaser trailer doesn't actually show any brand new footage. Actually, well, it shows like little seconds, like microseconds of like quick cuts of new stuff. Uh, but really, it's just Scarlett Johansson, you know, talking to the camera for the most part. Um, and lastly, there was a brand new Marvel Phase Four trailer where uh, we got like like ten ten seconds of actual footage of the Eternals with like Angelina Jolie among other uh, other people. So did you see that Marvel Face 4 trailer? Yeah, that that it's crazy cuz I heard about the trailer. Uh I think a friend of mine, he let me know that that trailer is out. And I wasn't excited about it cuz I'm like I, I already know what this is. This is kind of like a hype trailer. They're going to just show a bunch of old stuff that we're seeing to, to get you right, you know, hyped. And that's pretty much what they did, but I was I got excited when they started showing all of the new stuff. Like when they start like, and it's not even about like the footage, just seeing what's to come. You know what? Like for me, Eternals, Chang Chi, and Spider Man Far From. I mean, Spider Man No Way Home. Uh, what's what's the Spider Man? Yeah. Is it No Way Home? No Way Home. Yeah. Yeah, No Way Home. I'm excited as hell for those three movies. Like, I, I can't even wait. And the trailer for Chang-Chi was dope as hell. We already seen that. I'm hearing that Eternals is the best Marvel movie ever made. Kevin now, that's Feige, saying a lot. Kevin Feige went on record saying that it's going to it's gonna win Best Picture at the Oscars. Yeah, so, and that's coming from the lady that just won Best Picture at the <laughs> Oscars. So, like, I'm like, oh, shit, we on some Dark Knight level type of, storytelling here in in comic books so i'm excited for that you know and uh yeah and spider-man of course it's spider-man let's do you know let's do this so yeah and i mean of course they got the new guardians of the galaxy uh part two coming out and but you i just i'm excited for the new phase let's just say that yeah oh and oh and i didn't even mention dr strange uh like that's probably the most important movie probably ever in marvel like because it's introducing the whole multiverse thing and shit like that and and uh i hear uh wanda is gonna be in it you know and coming off after wandavision you see how you know powerful she is it's, oh my goodness man marvel they, they they're not even slowing down a little bit <laughs> Yeah, uh, it's kind of funny. It's like they would have been on op they they were gonna still be operating on all cylinders if it wasn't for COVID and stuff like that. They they would we would have yeah. been well into phase four by now. Uh, yeah. Right now we're still at the beginning of it. Uh, next up, let's just go ahead and uh, and move on to the to the next uh, segment. It's time for topic of the show. So, for a topic of the show this week, we got a doozy. All right. So, 
this might be a longer topic of the show, but I'll, we'll try to keep it under 20 minutes or so, I'd say. But uh, I wanted us to talk about the summer movie season because here's the thing. It's the first weekend in May right now. Um, this coming Friday would have, would uh, in normal non-pandemic years, would have been the start of the summer movie season. And as, as a matter of fact, Black Widow was supposed to drop this Friday originally if it wasn't when it wasn't when it got delayed to July. Um, so I wanted us to talk about, uh, the summer movie seasoning, like as far as like, you know, how they kicked off, you know, with the first movie that opened the summer movie seasons. And I want us to sort of like debate amongst ourselves, like what has the crown for the best summer movie opening and the worst summer Mm. movie uh, opening. Mm. And I feel like the worst is the easiest one, by the way, I already know what the worst is, but there's some debate. (laughs) There's some debate. Well, well, I'll go ahead and spoiler. Avengers Endgame aside, there is some debate about uh, what, what could be, what could you can construe as the best. So I'm gonna read off this list that I compiled together real quickly, um, and we can sort of just comment it as we go, and then we'll just decide at the end. All right. So I wanted to go in chronolog- chronological order, and I wanted to start with the year 2000. Summer movie season started like uh, like officially like in the 90s, I would say, like maybe the mid 90s. I would say Twister. In my opinion, Twister might be like the first summer blockbuster as far as like, you know, it becoming a thing, like a trend, I would say. Um, yeah, not to say that blockbusters didn't exist. You know, I would say, you know, Star Wars in the seven, 1977, you know, had a was a blockbuster as well. But the, the, the general trend as far as like, um, I wanted to start right. with. We, we got you. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I wanted to start with the year 2000, make it modern and then go to the present. So that being said, I feel like. This one is an interesting, like, uh, how do I put it? Uh, a dark horse for the crown for the best uh, opener of the summer movie season. In the year 2000, Gladiator opened on May 5th to $34.8 million. And Man. it would finish out at $187 million domestically. It would catapult Russell Crowe and Joaquin Phoenix to superstardom. And it would ultimately lead to a best picture win at the Oscars, mm. and it would result in a win Russell for Crow. Russell Crowe for Best yep. Lead Actor. Yep. Like, damn. You're... And you know what's crazy about that is that movie got mixed reviews when it came out. What? Uh, oh, yeah, my God. Yeah, I was reading a story about how it got mixed reviews when it came out. I don't know how. Listen, Joaquin, that put Joaquin Phoenix on the map. Like, yes. he was so goddamn... Like, like, and I really feel like he don't get enough talk about being one of the best villains of all time you know he don't get enough talk like in that top five top ten scariest villains or craziest fucking villains of all time you know it's i love that movie russell crowe you know he deserved the oscar you know are you not entertained like yeah. <laughs> you know that that in a great movie man that that's up there that's gonna definitely be up there for me yeah so like the reason why i would say this has a dark horse chance for like being the crown like we would we would give it the crown is because you're you know financially successful you know you made money at the at the box office you got yep. your actor an oscar and you won the best picture it's like yep, you're, yep, you're literally yep. <laughs> like, you're commercially yeah. and critically successful like damn yeah like, and then ridley's Scott as the director too. One, yeah, man. he really won for Scott. best director. Yeah, yeah, he wanted a great. He wanted a greats. So yeah, yeah. So I mean, it really, you really can't compete with that. You know, like I would say, like looking at the rest of the lot that we've that I've researched, none of them won an Oscar. Well, actually, no, I take that back. One of one other one did win the Oscar. I take that back for best best picture. We'll get to that here in a moment. Um, but yeah, I just want to say, like in in terms of uh, you know you know what the metrics, what we're going to use for success. I feel like that's a there's a there's an argument to be made for that. But let's go ahead and move on to the year 2001. 
The Mummy Returns opened on May 4th to $68.1 million opening weekend and would finish out at $202 million domestically. So that's uh, so we got $34 million of May of 2000, and you're practically doubling it to May of 2001. That's a huge summer blockbuster. Brendan Fraser, definitely at the height of his career. Uh, Rachel Weisz and everyone else and stuff like that. I, I really liked... Uh, the the mummy uh, franchise actually the first two mummies the third one kind of sucked uh but yeah so i i feel like there's uh i don't necessarily want to like say that this one has the crown but it definitely for like the two, for the early 2000s i mean it's not it's nothing to scoff at especially with like yeah i mean it, it made good money i can't really because this was actually i talked about earlier in the show that i like i have to re-watch mummy in terms of how good it is because really we got to factor in everything the quality what it made before like as far as being a hit and all of that together. Me personally, the fact that I don't remember it that well showed that I think that it's not as that phenomenal of a movie. But it did make solid money. So yeah. The only reason why I remember it is because I owned it on DVD and I grew I, I grew up watching it on, on repeat on DVD. So yeah. Uh, next up, 2002. Now here's oh my, we're we're we're, we're trending upwards. 34 million, 68 million. Now we're at 114.8 million dollars opening weekend. S- Sam mm. Raimi's Spider Man opened on May 3rd. And it would finish out at $403 million domestically and would later win the MTV Movie Award for Best Kiss and would win the People's Choice Awards for Favorite Movie. <laughs> MTV Movie Award for Best Kiss. Wow. I that's shit better than the Oscar. I wanted to church it up and stuff like that. You know what I mean? Like, I remember yeah. I remember because the upside down kiss, you know what I mean? It's so iconic. Yeah, you know that, I mean? that's iconic. That's the one of the most memorable kisses, though. I ain't gonna lie. Yeah, so I just wanted to like just gonna give it a shout out to the stuff. But like damn, four hundred and three million domestically. Jesus, man, them good numbers now today. So <laughs> imagine back then, that's almost like a billion dollar film or something like. Yeah, you know I would mean? say we. Would, I I did not pull up any numbers for like adjusted for inflation, but if I were, I would probably it would probably like you know give Endgame a run for its money when it comes to inflation. Yeah, um, that, that's that's big money right there, boy. Yeah. So, uh, as far as like you know, the number of you know of seats, like actual like butts in the seats sold, I would say it probably yeah. outdid Endgame. You know what I mean? But yeah. Next up, two thousand and three, X two X Men United opened on May second to eighty six point five million dollars and would finish out at two hundred and fourteen million. That's a bit Yo, of a list. Yeah, down. look, those, those numbers are solid. Not nothing crazy, but they're they're solid. But I will say this. X2 is far better to me than Sam Raimi Spider-Man 1. Whoa. So, yeah, Actually, you yeah. know what? Yeah, you're right. You're right. I take that back. Yeah, you know what at I mean? First, so, I, at, at first, like a knee-jerk reaction, I'm like, yeah, but like, well, but, you, but yeah, whatever. Anyways. Yeah, I mean, now, if it was Spider-Man 2 versus X2, I don't know. We have to talk about that. But in terms of the first Spider-Man versus X2, X2 was a much better. But Spider-Man made more of the box office. I know. So, yeah, exactly. Like we went down. We tr- we were pr- trending upward for 2000, 2001, 2002, and then we well, went I, down. Yeah, I mean, ain't nothing going to beat Spider-Man though That's at least true. for right That's now. That's true. That's <laughs> true. And then we go down again by the way. 2004, Hugh Jackman again, uh, you know, X-Men 2 last last year, and then now the following year, he has Van Helsing, a trash ass movie that opened on May 7th to 51 million dollars and went finished out at 120 million domestically. 
Listen, this one should win, and let me tell you why. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. No, this should definitely we need to X this right now. But you know what? I will say one like as a separate side note. Back in the day, like anything over a hundred million dollars was a win. Like uh, today's standard, a hundred million dollars was no longer considered a success. So yeah. there's always that. Unless it makes it like opening weekend or opening day or some shit. That's true. That's true. Uh, now we go to 2005, and this is my crown for the worst opener of the summer movie season. Uh, two movies came out on the on um, the first weekend in May, Kingdoms uh, Kingdom of Heaven and Crash. <laughs> it made nineteen million. Yes, yes, May sixth. It opened on May sixth, Kingdom of Heaven, which is uh, Orlando Bloom. This is two thousand and five. This was like two years removed from the Lord of the Rings and stuff like that. You know, you, you know, Orlando Bloom was like you know the big the big it star, right? He has his headliner of a movie and they gave him like the, you know, the opening summer movie, opening movie, the big marketing push kingdom of heaven was a huge flop. They cost so much money to make and it only grossed 19.6 million (laughs) uh, on opening weekend and would fizzle out at $47 million domestically. Um, yeah. Now, when researching it, that's yeah, as a flop. And when researching it though, the overseas numbers did save it uh, some, some by the way. Um, but what's kind of funny is Crash is the other Oscar winner. Uh, it won Best Picture. Um, that, see that—that's Highway Robbery. That listen, I don't know what uh, listen. And Crash is all right. Crash like Crash cool, but my thing is how it win Best Picture. Like I gotta look and see what Broke came back out Mountain there. Was the only other contender. Well, the Brokeback Mountain should have won. Brokeback Mountain's a fantastic movie. Brokeback with Heath Ledger and they it definitely should have won. Like, I, oh, see that, they, that's, uh, the I Oscars they split that. the vote. They gave uh, Brokeback Mountain to Best Director to Ang Lee, and then they gave uh, Best Picture to Crash. They split. <laughs> see, they try to be slick. They try to split the ticket. Um, but yeah, what's kind of funny is Crash made more money than Kingdom of Heaven. So it made it opened less to 9.1 million, but it actually finished more at 54 million. So yeah, it, had, it had legs. That other that shit was so trash that like after the opening weekend nobody else seen it. Yeah. And it crashed, it had legs. Like people were seeing it talking over and about over. it, yeah. Yeah. Next up 2006 we go to Mission Impossible 3, open on May 5th, 47.7 opening and finished at 134. So solid. Solid, solid, yeah. I would say solid. I would not. It's nothing like you know, nothing gangbusters. To at. Yeah, nothing special. Yeah, yeah, solid. I would, yeah, I, I like a six out of ten kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, 2007, we go to Spider-Man three. Now, finally, we're talking about something over a hundred million dollars. Open on May fourth, a hundred and fifty-one million dollar opening. Finished out at three thirty-six. Listen, Spider-Man three ain't nothing to ain't nothing to scoff at. Cause look worldwide i know it ain't on here it almost made a billion and like this is 07 i think it made like 900 and something million dollars now like think about it today like we're in the billion dollar you know type of box office ranges for huge hits today yeah this was in 07 and it almost made a billion dollars <laughs> like you know, damn like and this is the worst spider-man <laughs> this, is, this like, is the worst spider-man yeah exactly man that's that's crazy numbers man you know what's kind of funny is like spider-man 3 made less than spider-man 1 you look at this list go back to 2002 spider-man 1 finished out of 403 domestically spider-man yeah. 3 finished out of 336 so a little yeah. bit of a diminishing returns but the opening weekend but was bigger worldwide though it made more yeah that is true that is true finally we get to the modern modern era 2008 
Iron Man opened on May 2nd at a to $102 million opening weekend and would finish out at $318 million and would kick off the MCU as we know it. Mm. Listen, like that that like because of the fact that it it kicked off the MCU, you got to and it made good ass money. Like it kicked off the MCU and it made good ass money. We got to have that up there. Like that's got to be up for discussion just because of that alone. So so far discussion-wise Iron Man 1 and Gladiator. Gladiator. Um yeah. and Spider-Man 1 I would say maybe. I don't and know. Spider-Man 1, yeah. Yeah. Uh all right. Next up, 2009. <laughs> oh my god. We're trending downward, like quality and money wise. We're trending downward. X Men, X Men Origins Wolverine, oh, opened God. on May first to an opening weekend of eighty five million dollars and would finish out at one hundred and seventy nine million. What a bad movie! Like I, I feel ashamed that this movie made one hundred and seventy nine million. Like it should have been a bomb. You know what I mean? Like, but it is what it is. That's not in the discussion for nothing. We can say that now. All right, two thousand and ten, Iron Man two opened on May seventh to one hundred and twenty eight million dollars and would finish out at three hundred and twelve. Listen, I got Iron Man two as the worst MCU movie. Jeez. So. Yeah, like I, I mean, like what movie did is worse than Iron Man two? Honestly, in the MCU. Like, I, you know, I can't have, you know, if it's the worst in the MCU, I can't have it in no type of discussion, even though those <laughs> numbers are solid. But what did the first Iron Man make? It made less than the first Iron Man. Yeah. Am I correct? It, made, it opened bigger, but made like $6 million less domestically. Yeah, see? Nah. Hell nah. Um, what's kind of interesting is like looking at the opening weekend so far from 2000 to 2010, uh, highest opening weekend for the first weekend of May went to Spider-Man 3 in 07 for 151, followed by Iron Man 2 for 128, and then Spider-Man 1 at 100 and, uh, what was it, uh, 114. So... Solid, solid, solid. Yeah. yeah. All right. Next up, we're going to 2011. Thor opened on May 6th to $65.7 million opening weekend and finished out 181. That's kind of dis like because look if you look at the opening weekend them good numbers really like sixty five million like and like I said earlier Thor wasn't the biggest name Nobody when it knew came who Thor out was yeah I remember yeah that. so sixty five million that's solid but it's kind of disappointing to only end at eight hundred eighty one million like you would think that's X Men Origins that, Wolverine numbers right there <laughs> right like you you think something that opened at with a sixty five million would you know would have a bigger box office numbers by the end of its run you know what i mean but it is what it is yeah it's like it opened less than x-men origins wolverine but it made two million dollars more than x-men origins wolverine uh yeah but that's definitely good though i would say for like the the fact that nobody knew who thor was and you know starting a franchise you know building up the avengers and stuff like that i would say it definitely was you know good and um to building up to the Avengers, which leads us to 2012, because the Avengers open on May 4th to 207 million dollars opening That's weekend crazy. and finish out at 623 million domestically. And, it, and what's crazy is it held that record, I think, all the way up until Jurassic World. Yes, and I think Jurassic World came out in what July 15? of 2015. Yeah, 15. So it held that for about three years. So. I mean that's that that opening weekend is ballistic. That's yeah. crazy. You know what I mean? And them numbers is crazy as well. And this really the movie that kind of started off the whole billion dollar film thing. You know? Yes, uh, as a norm, as a norm. Yeah. Not to say billion got, dollar we, movies didn't exist, but like, but yeah, every other movie's like, a billion dollar movie. You know? What I mean? Right. Right. Exactly. Like I think Iron Man was the next 
Marvel movie and it did a billion. You yes. know what I mean? So, but uh, I th- we I think this one has to be at number one, like as of right now, because it's like you think about the money it made is dominating everything on this list so <laughs> yes. far, dominating yeah, it like right. straight up. And then I, it was it was beloved. I mean, it's the Avengers. It started off this whole. You know, I think it really, I ain't going to say started off the love, but in terms of crossover, it started off this whole crossover, you know, world we're in today. So, yeah, you got to have that at number one for right now, in my opinion. Okay. All right. I'll give you that. I think I'll, uh, I think I will give you that. Uh, 2013, we go to Iron Man 3, opening on May 3rd with 174 million. Not almost, you know, definitely up there, comparable with Avengers. Um, But it also finished out at $409 million, which is definitely the highest grossing Iron Man movie of the trilogy, uh, opening and domestic total, and of course, worldwide total. Um, Yeah, it definitely. It's it's like from opening weekend going. It actually like was it twenty million dollars off from Avengers uh, Avengers one. That's crazy. That's for a solo movie, by the way. So. Listen, and I ain't gonna lie, man. People like be hating on this movie. I like Iron Man three. What a if what a fun movie. The ending was just badass with all them iron them suits. Like I I fucked with it. it. Was like more of a darker version of Iron Man. Like I think people were just so mad about the uh, Mandarin thing. Oh yeah. I think. I think that gave it like a bad, like overall, like it's just a bad taste in people's mouths. But I like the movie. It made solid money, like good ass money, actually. So, yeah, you know, Iron Man 3 actually got to be up in there, you know, up for discussion. Okay, 2014. Okay, this is ever since 2008 or basically like Marvel Disney has been owning the first weekend in May. But for some reason in 2014, they decided to make Captain America 2 come out in April. So... They gave yeah. uh, the first weekend in May went to Sony because they brought out the Amazing Spider-Man 2. It came out on May 2nd, opened at $91 million and finished out at $202 million. I don't care what this movie made. This movie sucked. <laughs> Damn, man. Like, I, like listen, what, I got a quick question for you. What do you like more, Amazing Spider-Man 2 or Sam Raimi Spider-Man 3? Oh, my God. That's hard. I, I, they both sucked. Yeah, uh, exactly. That's my point. They like neck and neck yes. in terms of bad. Yeah, you're right. Fuck. Yeah, like that's what I'm saying. Like, and if a movie's that bad, where we're talking about Sam Raimi Spider-Man three, even if you do think Sam Raimi Spider-Man three is better, which I do, I think it's Sam Raimi Spider-Man three is a bit worse. But damn, you know what I mean? I don't <laughs> care company. what this movie. That's bad company to be in. Shit. Yeah, that's bad company to be in for sure. Uh, speaking of bad company, <laughs> 2015 Aven- Avengers: Age of Ultron. Open I was disappointed. On I was May disappointed. <laughs> I was disappointed. By the way, I don't even lie. Like, look at this: Avengers one, two hundred and seven million opening weekend. Avengers two, eighty-four million dollar opening weekend. Yeah, what yeah, it was a huge fuck? drop off. It was a huge drop off because I was. I mean, it's, it's like, listen, one of the best moves Marvel did was got rid of Whedon. You know, one of the best movies because Damn. I don't think. Listen, Age of Ultron it wasn't a bad movie. Like, let's like we you know let's not go overboard here it wasn't a bad movie in my opinion but it was a huge drop off and if he would have kept going then maybe by the time we got to end game the movies would have sucked you know what i mean like you see what he did to justice league so that was a good move i just just because of that i don't think avengers should be in this in the in the, in the discussion Okay, it would finished. Uh, it finished out at four hundred fifty fifty nine million dollars domestically, uh, but it would literally just get like one up the very next year. Uh, first weekend in May, a Captain America: Civil War 
And back in 2016, it opened $179 million, basically, practically double. Actually, yeah. About- it's funny how, like, literally everything we're talking about is comic book movies. <laughs> like, like, I think Gladiator and what, like, Crash, another one. Kingdom of Heaven. Yeah, and that's, like, literally been it. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, uh, 179 million opening, 408 million dollars uh, domestic total. 2017 brings us to Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Two, 146 opening, 389 domestic. And now we're getting into like the 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 dyad here. 2018, we it brings about Avengers: Infinity War. Summer movie season did not start in the first weekend in May. It got yeah. It got uh, bumped up a week early to the last weekend in April. Yeah. Um, this is because we were entering into like the global box office because when these when these Marvel movies were coming out on the first weekend in May, they were coming out overseas the week before, the yeah. whole time. So what they decided to do was we can't let spoilers be on the internet, so we have to like release it worldwide uh, in the same day. So that's what they decided to do. April twenty seventh, Avengers: Infinity War came out to an opening weekend of two hundred and fifty seven million dollars. And then it would finish out at 678, but then would immediately get one-upped. One year later, Avengers Endgame came out on April 26th in 2019 and did $100 million more, $357 million opening weekend. Most movies on this list didn't even make that much in one weekend. Yeah, that's crazy. Okay, and then it would finish out at $858 million domestically, and it would go on to claim the title of the highest grossing movie of all time for a while. Right, and really, they still got it, but <laughs> fucking Avatar cheated. Like, that shit shouldn't even count, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, but, uh, so as far as, like, you know, the list goes, I mean, I, do you just want to just give the title to Avengers Endgame because it just shuts everyone out as far as money-wise, or do we want to, like... Well, see, how I'm going to do it is I'm actually going to give it to Avengers Infinity War. Really? Uh, bec- yeah, yeah. Endgame made more money. But it's unfair because it's coming after what? Infinity War. You see what I'm saying? And what did Infinity War leave you off? On the biggest cliffhanger probably of all time. Right? <laughs> so that and I think uh, uh, Avengers Infinity War is slightly better than Endgame. I like Avengers Infinity. Like at the time when I seen it in theaters, I had Endgame better than Infinity War. But over time, as I let things settle down and I rewatch them, I think I got Infinity War a little bit better. It had more intensity to it, you know. It's better executed, better paced, better through line. Yeah, better better paced and all that and stuff. So, and I found a couple of plot holes in Endgame that I wasn't really sure about. Even though Endgame's fantastic. I love Endgame. But, me, I think just because in terms of quality and money and being the fact that Endgame made a lot of his money because it's following Infinity War... I slightly gonna go with Avengers Infinity War as the rank number one. Yeah, yeah, you're right. I think that's definitely like the best way to kick off summer movie season. Um, I think I was gonna possibly go with Endgame on this one. Like my original thought is like I remember Endgame weekend. Um, yeah. And what's kind of interesting is like this has never been done before in any movie that I can possibly think of is that the theaters were open for 24 hours for the entire opening weekend. They did not close. Yeah. They were having yeah. uh, screenings at three in the morning, you know, five that in the morning, crazy. six in the morning. Like they were going uh, round the clock, screening after screening after screening after screening. Uh, and that's how they were able to make that much money because if you if you think about Avengers Endgame, it's the longest runtime on this entire list. It, it clocked yeah. in three hours, and the movie, yeah. um, you know, an epic movie with that much length. Uh, 
uh, that much runtime, making that much money in three days is insane, especially yeah, in April. Uh, especially, for I feel it. like you can't. I think you can't go wrong with Avengers Endgame or Infinity War because, like, seeing those movies is crazy because you rarely get that feeling of like you're watching a, an event, like you're going to an event, like with the people that's lined up with you and the and the. Uh, hype in the room and like when you see the movie the way it just starts and cuts like it felt like you're it's an event you're not just watching a movie and i felt that same way for infinity war and endgame so i feel like you can't go wrong with either one i lean towards infinity war but i you you know endgame isn't the wrong answer either you know how I say that? <laughs> yeah it's uh it's definitely uh it feels like it's cheating though as well because like i feel like I, I want to know what the answer is without them. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like, what if we disregard them? What would be the what would be the best movie? Uh, yeah, I mean, the thing about it is, it's cheating anyway because all of these movies are comic book movies. <laughs> comic book movies. Yeah. So any way you look at it, it's cheating because it's like comic book movies gonna make the most money. You know, comic book as long as a comic book movie is in May and the it's gonna make the most money. And the biggest know, loser. Usually. And the biggest loser was it was not a comic book movie. <laughs> Right, right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, so that that's what's funny. But I think out of all, in terms of what what I think is the winner that isn't a comic book movie Gladiator. to me is obviously Gladiator. Yeah. yeah, like if if we're gonna, you know, exclude comic book movies because if you think about it, Gladiator doesn't stand a chance. I don't care what it did. You know what I mean? Because it's all these comic book movies. I say Gladiator, but you know, with the comic book movies, if we're gonna you know count the comic book movies. It got to be one of either Avengers Endgame or or Infinity War. As much as that does feel like a cheat, it's, yeah, it's fair. That's true. Yeah, that's true. So, uh, so basically, the biggest lesson learned here is if you want to start off the comic book movie season right, you gotta open it up with the comic book movie and make it hype as fuck. You know. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, yeah, which we're being robbed of that this year because of Black Widow not coming out. But whatever, you know, not till July, in the middle of the summer. Uh, but yeah, that was a fun topic of the show. Yeah, I, I really did enjoy uh, talking about this. And, you know, we're, we're two years removed from Endgame, three years removed from Infinity War. And, you know, it's it's crazy to think about these, looking at these numbers in hindsight and sort of evaluating it, the trends. Because, you know, when we talk about like 2000 and like, you know, we had like Gladiator and stuff like that, 2001, we got The Mummy Returns. But then Sam Raimi's Spider-Man came out in 2002 and just changed the landscape forever, if you think about it. Really so. Yeah, and like the last movie that wasn't a comic book movie that opened the summer movie season was was in two thousand and six with Mission Impossible three. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. that's uh, that's just food for thought. Some trends there, uh, but yeah, uh, that's uh, that's topic of the show. Uh, so we have a whole whole lot of uh, rest of the show to go. So I'm gonna try to speed run these last two segments. Let's go ahead and move on to Netflix and show. All right, so let's just sort of speed run this one here because uh, we're kind of running long on time here. Uh, number one on Netflix is The Mitchells versus The Machines. Number two is Shadow and Bone. Uh, number three is Things Heard and Seen. Number four is an old-ass 10-year-old Matt Damon movie called Green Zone. Number three is Madagascar 3. Uh, number five, excuse me. Number five is Madagascar 3, Europe's Most Wanted. Number six is The Circle, a social media competition. Number seven is The Innocent. Number eight is Love Happens. Number nine is, oh my God, this shitty ass movie, uh, Your Highness, with James Franco and Natalie Portman and Danny McBride. Why did that trend is what I want to know. <laughs> uh, and lastly, re- rounding out the top ten is Coco Melon. What I thought, what I thought was really interesting is that like the the this is like the first time that I personally noticed where like the Netflix charts completely got like wiped away because only four movies or four things on this chart 
War from last week, and every all oh, six items got yeeted out the list. So, um, yeah, it's slightly different. Yeah, for sure. Um, but anything to say about this uh, this Netflix charts? Nah, uh, not really. Okay. All right. So go watch the Mitches versus the Machines. I think that's the biggest recommendation. I want to get around to watching Shadow and Bone, but uh, it's just too much shit to watch. Uh, now we're gonna move on to the top ten on iTunes. Number one is Nomadland, which got that Oscar bump. Number two, the premiere of uh, a Liam Neeson movie called The Marksman. Number three is Percy versus Goliath, which we talked about it on a couple of weeks ago during uh, during Check This Out when we talked about the trailer. Uh, number four is Promising Young Woman. Number five is, of all things, an old, uh, a random ass Tom Hanks Spielberg. Spielberg movie, Bridge of Spies. Yeah. That was a masterpiece, though. I feel like it's forgettable because I don't remember that movie. I watched it in theaters and I don't remember that movie. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I say I to say it wasn't a bad movie either. I just again, it fades. No one talks about it. Uh, number six, Trigger Point. Number seven, The Kid Detective. And I read the synopsis. It's about a thirty-year-old guy who used to be a kid detective, and now he's taking on a case where he has his first real adult case, where he's trying to like solve a murder, like a real murder and stuff like that. So I think that's really hilarious. It looks like a good comedy. Uh, number eight is Monster Hunter. Number nine is The Pedal Movie, and. Writing it out, number 10 is Wonder Woman 84. Troy, Tenet only lasted a week. God damn it. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, give it time. But give it time. It might be back. Who knows? When it um, goes to 99 Wonder, cents, watch. <laughs> hey, but Wonder Woman 84 still there. That shit's crazy. Like, I, I'm, I'm almost sick of seeing Wonder Woman 1984 there. Uh, and uh, Bridge of Spies, I know you said it's a bit forgettable, but to me it was a masterpiece. <clears throat> One of Spielberg's best movie in the last decade, I'll say that. And and lastly, I'll just go ahead and skip ahead because I completely forgot to update the Amazon list, by the way. So this list that you're seeing on your end is last week's list. So my bad. Uh-huh. Uh, so we'll go ahead and skip that one this week and we'll do it next week. Uh, but my recommendation for uh, this uh, week is I decided because we're in the summer movie season, I decided to pick up or find a, a, sum, a summer movie, like an like a good summer movie that is high quality. Good choice. Good choice. It's, low budget. It's It's high quality. And it's not really talked about. You know, it kind of sort of got lost in the shuffle, right? So I chose Super 8. And uh, it's uh, it's, uh, J.J. Abrams. I believe, did he direct or did he just produce? I believe he directed it. Okay. Yeah, it's a J.J. Abrams flick. And uh, it's on Hulu right now, so you can watch it there. And, uh, yeah, I, it's kind of funny. It's like, I feel like I should watch it because I don't remember the movie that well. Like, I watched it one time in theaters back in the day, and I haven't seen it since. But yeah. I rewatched the trailer for this, uh, and it's it's about a group of kids that are back in the 1970s. They're using a Super 8 like uh, camera, like a camcorder, to like make a movie. And during the filming of the movie, a train crashes, like an actual train crash happens, and suddenly shit happens. This is basically like Stranger Things, but before Stranger Things was Stranger Things. Basically, is the best way I can yeah. explain it. So good action movie, good good flick. I think that if you were in the mood to watch something at home and get that like summer blockbuster season feel going on. Go watch Super 8. That's my recommendation. Fun, fun movie. Really enjoy that movie. My recommendation is going to be Crazy Stupid Love because I just seen it recently. And it reminded me how good the damn movie is. <laughs> and uh, I, I just think, you know, Ryan Gosling and uh, Emma Stone, their chemistry is so good. And I think that's why they end up working so well in La La Land as well. They was both in that movie. That's true. But, yeah, so, uh, and Steve Carell is funny as hell. Is you know it's like the the movie is just good. I found myself laughing, and I usually don't do that. Even when a movie's funny, 
I don't laugh the second time. Like after I've already know what the jokes are, they're not funny to me. Even though I still like the jokes and I still may watch the movie just for the hell of it and enjoying it. But like I was found myself actually laughing about stuff I've already know knew was there. So funny movie. I think everybody should check out Crazy Stupid Love. It's a it's a modern day classic. It's on Netflix right now. And uh shout out to the one thing I was gonna say. There was a twist that happened with Ryan Gosling and, and Steve Carell. I didn't see that coming, by the way. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> just shout out to that. For real. All right. Let's go ahead and move on to the new releases. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. Oh, so for new releases, um, I think we're, I think the drought is over, Troy. Um, we're hitting, we're being hit with quantity. Some quality in there too, by the way. There are seven items on this list that I'm gonna go over. It's ridiculous. Like I feel like now that you know, I feels like we're in the end of end game of COVID, like COVID is over and we're gonna start getting like this like uh what do you call it? Like this this dam is gonna break and this water just gonna spew out and we're just gonna get flooded with content. Uh yep. what do you what do you feel about that? I agree. And I think this is a good time to do the show because more and more you know, this can be the most fun part of the show, talking about what's about to come out, what we're excited about seeing this weekend, this upcoming weekend. So I'm ready. All it's right. getting better and better. All right. So opening this weekend, we have uh, a total of, let me count them out, one, two, three, four, five, five movies opening in theaters this weekend. Um, I would say the headliner for the theater openings is Wrath of Man. comes out um, this Friday, May 7th. It says the synopsis reads, Mysterious and wild-eyed, a new security guard for a cash truck surprises his co-workers when he unleashes precision skills during a heist. The crew is left wondering who he is and where he came from. Soon, the marksman's ultimate mo motive becomes clear as he takes dramatic and irrevocable steps to settle a score. The film stars Jason Statham, Jeffrey Donovan, Lonz Alonzo, Raul Castillo, Scott Eastwood, Andy Garcia, and Post Malone. Like, come on. I laughed when I That's read. It's funny how, like, where the hell Post Malone come from? <laughs> like, how, like <laughs> you naming all of all these good ass actors and then Post Malone? What? <laughs> okay. No, it's kind of funny. Is like I when I was writing this out and I wrote Post Malone and I was envisioning in my head reading out the the film stars. And then when I said Post Malone, I just started laughing. Like, yeah, I, I started—I was trying to say Post Malone in my head, and I laughed mid mid sentence and stuff like that. I couldn't—I yeah, had to say it with a straight funny. face. <laughs> that's funny as hell. All right, all right. Next up, Above Suspicion. It comes out in theaters this weekend on May seventh, and the synopsis reads: A young woman desperately tries to escape a seedy life of crime and drugs in a Kentucky coal mine mining town. She believes her bad luck may be finally changing when a newly minted FBI agent, FBI agent, recruits her as an informant for a high-profile case. The film stars Game of Thrones as Amelia Clark. Jack, I think I'm going to go with Houston on that pronunciation. It's, it's, it's spelled out Huston. Uh, Sophie Lowe, Thora Birch, Johnny Knoxville, Kevin Dunn, and Omar Benson Miller. Yeah, that's really interesting. Uh, Johnny Knoxville looks all dramatic as hell on the poster, by the way. See, uh, I mean, Amelia Clark, ever since Game of Thrones, she hasn't been doing the greatest job picking movies. So <laughs> I'm hoping that she, you know, gets it together and this movie's good. Next up, Here Today, opening in theaters this weekend. It says, the, the synopsis reads, Here Today follows 
veteran comedy writer Charlie Burns, uh, Billy Crystal, who is going through a tough time in his life. He meets New York singer Emma Page. Page? Let's go with yeah, Emma Page. Uh, who's played by Tiffany Haddish, and they form an unlock, unlikely oh, yet hilarious touching for, uh, friendship that kicks the generation gap aside and redefines the meaning of love and trust. The film oh, star. <laughs> it sounds so, like, cliche or whatever. So bad. Yeah, the, so bad. The film stars Billy Crystal, Tiffany Haddish, and Gossip Girl's Penn Badgley. Oh, Lord. <laughs> yeah, there goes a name you haven't heard in a while. Yeah, uh, I'm. I'm. A, I'm probably gonna skip this one. All right. Next up is the Waterman coming out this theater uh, this weekend in theaters. Uh, we talked about it on uh, on uh, check this out during a trailer, uh, one of the trailers earlier a couple weeks ago. Um, hoping to save his sick mother, a boy ventures into the remote wild horse forest to search for a mythical figure who possesses the secret to immortality. It's starring David Oyelowo. Hmm, I feel like I almost got it. Ooh. Rosario Dawson, Lonnie Ooh. Chavis, Alfred Molina, and Maria. Hold Pardo. on. Hey, listen, real talk out of all the ones you said, this one sounds the best just off the synopsis sound interesting in this cast. I mean, Rosario Dawson, damn, David Oyelowo, like, man. So, yeah, we, we, you know, <laughs> yeah, Alfred Molina, uh, man, th- this is solid, solid. Yeah, uh, we we talked about it on the trailer. I don't know if you might have missed that week. Or I don't know which one, which which episode it was, but we did talk about the Waterman, like the trailer uh, during during that segment. I think it might have been the week that Dallas was on. Uh, no, uh, I think it was because we was talking. About, wasn't we talking about Spider Man and how he's gonna? Oh, never mind, never mind. Yeah, we did talk about him, but we was talking about Spider-Man, how he's going to be de-aged, but that ain't had nothing to do with that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah the Waterman. I saw the trailer. It looked interesting as hell. It gave me, like, the uh, the, the vibes of, uh, um, what's that, Bridge of Terabithia vibes. So, yeah. yeah. Next up is the Paper Tigers opening this weekend um, in theaters. And, by the way, this uh, synopsis has got me... Uh, you know, interested just on the synopsis alone. It's an action comedy. The synopsis reads three childhood Kung Fu prodigies have grown into washed up middle-aged men. Now one kick away from pulling their hamstrings, but when their master is murdered, they must juggle their dead end jobs, dad duties and overcome old grudges to avenge his death. That's interesting. That sounds solid. Yeah, it sounds solid. That's a good synopsis, man. Like, anytime I read something and it don't sound cliche as fuck, then I'm kind of excited for it. And that sounds pretty cool. Yeah, so it's starring, I don't, I don't know any of these actors' names, by the way, but it says starring Elaine Yui, Ron Yuan, and Michael Shannon Jenkins. So just on the premise alone, I'm interested. Yep. Now, these are the last two things rounding it out is not, are things that are not, yeah. Opening in theaters, they're coming out to streaming services. You can watch them at home. Uh, the big headliner for Netflix this week is opening or premiering on Netflix on May seventh. Is, is Jupiter's Legacy is that the sequel to Jupiter's Ascending? No, they have nothing to do with each oh. other. Oh, okay. Cool. Jupiter's Legacy is a series. It's based on a comic book, and uh, the synopsis reads: Jupiter's Legacy follows the story of the world's first superheroes who received their powers in the 1930s. In the present day, they are revered elder uh, elder guard, but their superpowered children struggle to live up to the legendary feats of their parents. Uh, mm. The show is starring Josh Dumel, Ben Daniels, Leslie Bibb, Elena Camporis, Andrew Horton, Mike Wade, and Matt Lanter. 
Hey, that sounds like a little interesting little. Like, I don't think you're going to watch that and be, like, excited as, you know, watching, you know, Falcon and Winter Soldier or nothing like that. But it just seems like a pretty good story. You know what I mean? I think every celebrity's kids got to deal with that to a certain degree. Yeah. So that's pretty cool. Jupiter's Legacy is, uh, I saw the trailer, by the way. Again, I'm glad, I'm glad I do check this out. I feel like I should, like, rename check this out to, like, you know, trailer review or something like that, or rename the segment to like, you know, uh, I don't really find a lot of memes and stuff to talk about, but uh, we, I, I do remember specifically, it was uh, the Dallas episode where we talked about Jupiter's legacy and uh, I saw the trailer and I'm impressed. It looks very stylistic. Um, and yeah, it's, it's, I guessing they're going to do flashbacks because they get Josh Dumel. He's playing like the younger version and the older version of himself. They give him like some white hairs and stuff like that. So uh, I feel like that's a good casting as far as like having a good age range where somebody can look younger and look older at the same time. Uh, yeah. So, yeah. Uh, and lastly, this is the last uh, new release of the week. Rounding it out is uh, today, the day of this episode premiering, it's May 4th, which is uh, Star Wars Day. Uh, like, may the 4th be with you kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, so... Disney is releasing Star Wars The Bad Batch on Disney Plus. And it's uh, the synopsis reads Clone Force 99, also known as The Bad Batch, is an elite, a group of elite clone troopers with genetic mutations that were first introduced in Star Wars The Clone Wars. Uh, they take on daring mercenary missions in the aftermath of The Clone Wars. The show is starring D. Bradley Baker as all of the clone troopers in the series, including the members of Clone Force 99 slash The Bad Batch. Ming-Na Wen as Fennec Shand. By the way, Fennec Shand is the same character from The Mandalorian, so she's crossing over. Yeah. Uh, the same actress is voicing The one her. that plays Boba Fett's like girl. Yeah, exactly. So she's uh, they're crossing over, so that's good. And it's I believe Dave Filoni has something to do with the show, by the way, so I think that makes sense to you know put you know the characters he created and you know put them in this show. Um, next up is Steven Stanton as Grand Moff Tarkin and Andrew Cashino uh, as Saw Gerrera, which is uh, Saw Gerrera was uh, the Forrest Whitaker's character, by the way. So they're using yeah. him, which is kind of crazy. They didn't get just they didn't just get Forrest Whitaker to voice his own character, which is, I guess, whatever. I guess he cost too much money. I mean, they, he, he voiced the character in um, he voiced the characters in Rebels. So I don't know. Like, I guess they probably didn't couldn't afford him no more. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I wonder if he voiced him in that one video game, Star Wars, uh, was a Jedi Fallen Order. Like he was, they brought, they brought. He, si he sure did sound like him. I know that much. I beat that whole game, and uh, I, he he sounded like. Yeah, Sagarera was in was in that game, so I didn't really pay attention to see if it was actually his voice. But I think it's really yeah. interesting as they, you know, D, ba D Bradley Baker. He's a he's a a very tenured voice actor. He's been in in you know cartoon series. He's been in movies. He's been in uh, uh, in video games. Uh, D Bradley Baker is a uh, is like a very very like good voice actor, very big voice actor, like kind of I iconic. feel like Saw Gerrera, man. They put him in a lot of stuff. Like he was in, <laughs> he was in Clone Wars. He was in Rebels. He was in uh, the video game yeah. Fallen Order. <clears throat> of course, he was in uh, the movie. Uh, like he be in a he pop he always popping up and shit. Man. <laughs> but uh, I'm excited as hell for this for this uh, series, man, because. I feel like I like how they're doing something different. It isn't about Jedi. It's not about uh, scum. It's not necessary. It's like in a time period that's not norm. Less we don't we de never really seen. We never seen Between like episodes right three after. And four, yeah. Yeah. Right. Exactly. You know. So uh, I'm curious to see how life is after Order sixty six. And uh, I'm and I have no clue what this show 
is about either. Like, I don't know what the Bad Batch job is or, like, what they're going to be doing. Like, are they going to try to take down the Empire? Are they just trying to survive? They're trying to survive. So, the Empire wanted to kill them because they're the yeah, Bad Batch, so they're on their own. Right, but in terms of, like, the story can't just be them running from the, the Empire to hold series so at some point they got to introduce another level layer of the plot you know so i'm just curious to know like what you know what's gonna go down in this show so i'm excited and uh, i'm watching it early tomorrow okay um the only thing i was gonna say about d bradley baker is like i just want to say that he's a phenomenal phenomenal voice actor long ass resume okay um but the thing that i'm more like curious about is why didn't they get the actor that played uh you know the what was his name? Fuck, from episode two. Uh, not uh, Boba Fett, uh, Jango Fett, because Jango Fett was like the voice, or he's like the guy that they cloned for like all of the like, the clone well, troopers. Well, maybe because he's uh, he's Boba Fett, already, he's playing Boba Fett already in the... Um, the Mandalorian in, and stuff like that. the Mandalorian, so maybe, to, like, and then you know his show is coming out, the Boba Fett, the book of Boba Fett, yeah. so maybe it's a time thing or something, you know? Man, they can just get him in that voice booth and have him record his lines. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I just think that it was, it would have been interesting to see them like, you know, use the same, you know, actor to the voice kind of like they did with Ming Na Wen, but yeah, yeah, yeah. But anyways, uh, either way, that's uh, damn it, Troy. We got seven things to pick from. What's the pick of the week? I don't know, man. My dang, my thing froze up. So you, you all go right, ahead. all right. I'll go ahead and uh, I'll just read them out one more time here. Wrath of Man above suspicion. Okay, now nah, I'm gonna go with uh, I'm gonna go with see, I'm gonna go with Star Wars Bad Bad. I, I always have a problem with this because like. It's so many of them, and after you done read them, I got to kind of read, like, remember. But I'm going to just go with Star Wars Bad Batch I'm just gonna, because. All right. That's fine. I, I that's, that's, a fair, that's a fair choice, by the way. People but are. other than that one, if, like, if not that one, I'm going to go with, like, the David O. Yellow old movie with Rosie O'Dawson, The Waterman, just because that got the best cast and it got, like, the best plot synopsis that's read. So, you know, I'm, those two. My pick of the week was going to be Jupiter's Legacy. Uh, I think I've seen, like, I've seen the trailers for all of these things, by the way. Uh, you know, not just yeah. not just because I, like, I researched for the show, but also in general, like, you know, uh, covering the stuff. So having watched the trailers for all of these things, I'm very excited for Jupiter's Legacy. Um, and I'm predicting, like, just like because it's like the big headliner, I'm, I'm, it's, it's an easy shoe in to win the, the top spot in next week's Netflix chart. So um yeah. yeah it it sounds it looks dope so I, I definitely might want to check that one out yeah so that's uh you know that's it for the show that was a lot of show and uh uh let's go ahead and wrap it up and uh, now the end is near and so i face the final curtain it is time to end. Thank you so much for joining us for another episode of Ready Play Movies. Remember, you can reach the podcast by email at readyplaymovies at gmail.com or simply at readyplaymovies on Twitter. I'm on Twitter at Chakalaka88 and Troy. Gracie Troy 58 So don't forget to subscribe, give us a review, tell your friends about the show and all that good stuff. See you next time. Bye-bye.